Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. There's enough bang in there to send us all to Jesus. If I'm gonna die, I wanna die podcasting! Great. Comfortable? Is that the line? Comfortable, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah. Hello, everybody. My name is Griffin Newman. It's drinking your pink coffee. <laughs> Pow. <laughs> I just I'm, shit my pants. I'm David Sims. This is our ASMR episode. <laughs> Lock the gates. This is a criterion no, no, edition no. of John Tucker Must Die. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Turn up the volume. What would happen if I just pulled, put that up right now? We get louder. Okay. <laughs> go, 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 go. You know, I've gotten that complaint before that our podcast isn't loud enough. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. our voices drop yeah. out a little bit because we like to go quiet. That's small. because you start the show off by going podcast. <laughs> hey, Ben, 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 later, watch the mic. Watch the yeah, mic. You go later. There. You go. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, hey, Ben. Making him what? so mad. Who are your guys? <laughs> Uh, yeah, welcome to Blank Check with Griffin and David. I remember Damon Wayne saying, tonight I'm just going to do a jazz set. This is his favorite Mark Maron thing to reference. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember it. Has he said it many times? He, he says it a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with me? <laughs> it's really interesting to watch Griffin prepare to say something idiotic. Yeah, right. It's sort of, you see the his wheels yeah, click. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The gears turning. What the fuck's the balls? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> All right. All right. Come on. Uh, hello, Blankies. Uh, Blanco Ricans. No, don't. We no. do have. No, we have. This is. this. Is, I mean, it'll be too late by the it's time too we record late. Let's, this. Let's, let's get into the episode. We do have a listener in Puerto Rico who posted to our Reddit yeah. that we're the thing keeping him sane right now. Which oh. I was like, i very appreciative of, but I also was immediately like, can we help in yeah. any more concrete <laughs> way? Yeah. I'm glad the podcast is helping you like stay sane. But also this. we can send you pasta. Or... Right. Like, is yeah. there any? Anyway. Anyway. Uh, uh, boy, that was yeah, that was a little uh, jarring. But this episode, this episode goes out to to him. Yeah, I believe his username is I laugh alone. I don't that know what his correct. real name is. That, I only know him by his username. I he's, laugh alone. He's our Blanco Rican. Yeah. Um, this is a podcast called Blank Check. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're hashtag the two friends. Yep. We are connoisseurs of contest. What? <laughs> we are contest of connoisseurs. Jesus Christ! How long is this going to take you guys? Two, two hours. <laughs> <laughs> We are a contest of champions. We are connoisseurs of context, I guess. Yeah. Uh-huh. And this is a podcast about filmographies. Directors that is who true. had massive success early on in their career and which issued a series of blank checks. Sometimes the checks clear and sometimes they bounce, baby. That's right. So I, I didn't realize that Catherine Bigelow had been granted a blank check. The, her her two obvious blank checks, Griffin, do you agree with me? Strange Days and Zero Dark Thirty? Yeah. I think Detroit also qualifies as a blank check movie. Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I wonder how much that cost. Check bounced. But that was... It I wasn't mean, that expensive. $34 million. Uh, Still, okay. you know. But yeah. I mean, that was... She had complete control over that. That oh, was Megan sure, Ellison sure. just writing her check. That's true. That's true. That's um, true. Uh, Strange Days is her very obvious blank check movie. She's less you blank checky like. than... a good sci-fi movie from the mid-90s. The other Ray directors Fines. we covered. Yeah, I feel like her checks have Angela always Bassett. been more conditional. Mm. Which, you know... A little yeah. more. 
patriarchy. But she was also the first woman to get $100 million for a movie. That's another thing. I oh. mean, she crosses these K-19, weird- K-19, the right. widow maker. Oh. And submarines. And first woman to win an Oscar for best, best director. director. For this movie? For, for the this movie? fucking movie. We're this talking movie? about today, a historic movie, a best picture winner. True. How many best picture winners have we discussed on this podcast? Two. What, go on. This and Titanic? Titanic. Is that it? I guess that's it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Pro nominated. Spielberg, no, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. you're right. you're right. Sixth Sense was nommed. Okay, wait, but I have two questions. Also, you guys haven't introduced me. Do you want me to introduce myself? I always like the guests to talk a little bit before we introduce them. Oh. That's my thing. My sincere bad. You're, I was no, like, no, 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 you're good. You're good right I'm, now. I'm killing it right now. Killing it. I'm killing it right now. That's that's all you need to know about me. Um, I. Okay, so I have two questions. One, how much did The Hurt Locker cost to make? $15 million. So that's not much of a blank no, check. This was not all. a blank check. This, right. okay. this was not. This was a scrape money together okay. any which way you can and make this little movie okay. kind of movie. But this yeah. is. So I was telling. Because yes. she was in the David, wilderness for this movie. But this movie becomes a guarantor for her. This yeah, allows this, her to get right. issued a couple checks in a row. fucking good for her. I love yeah. this movie and I love her get winning for this movie. And I want to tell a, a small story. Please. Well, I'm going to keep telling the story is sure. what happens. Carry on. So I just rewatched it, right? So I watched it when it first came out. And then I rewatch it with my sister. Had you seen it in between? No. Same here. Okay. Same here. This is only the second time I watched it. And my sister is not someone I can get to watch movies with me all the time. Mm -hmm. She doesn't, she doesn't like watch things just because they exist. You know, she, she, that's not her thing, but she just started working at the VA. She's, um, she's a psychology grad student. She's an extern there. She now has, uh, she has, uh, patients. She has people Mm -hmm. that she provides therapy for, um, who are, some of them are Vietnam vets. Some of them are from Iraq and Afghanistan all over the place. Some of them are just like they were stationed at the DMZ and they they now need like help. Um, and I got her to see the movie for this reason. And she didn't know a woman had directed it. And so at the end, I like in, in my you, defense, you, you blew her mind. I fucking told her like four times that sure. Catherine Bigelow won an Oscar for it. But I don't think she realized that Catherine. Right. Bigelow she wasn't really thinking about was it. Was she a costume and designer? Then, at the end, yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. Great yeah. And then at the movie. end, she was like, oh, like a woman directed it. And I was like. Fucking yeah, man. A woman directed it. And that's one of the reasons it's so fucking good. I have a very similar story. Mm -hmm. And it's the thing that I always think of with this movie. Uh, But I went to go see it with uh, Sophie Fader, my best friend, often invoked on this show. Great person. And um, I don't know her. uh, You'll meet her I'm sure she's fine. You're a friend of mine. She's a friend of mine. Everyone should be friends with each other. Uh, We're the two friends, but everyone else can be (laughs) friends as long as they're fine landing outside of that tight circle. Um, but, uh, during the scene where they're drawing the targets on each other's chest and punching each other after they've been wrestling on the floor mm. in their quarters, mm. uh, Sophie turned to me and said, uh, this was opening weekend, uh, Sunshine Theater. Uh, she turned to me and said, this is the most masculine movie I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. And I said, it was directed by a woman. And she uh-huh. went, ha, 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 okay. <laughs> I went, no, seriously, it was directed by a woman. And she went, ha, ha, ha. And I went, no, honestly, it was directed by a woman. She went, okay. Trying to watch the movie. Right, right, right. Enough with the jokes. Right. And then when it got to the end credits, she went, wait, it's actually directed. <laughs> like she couldn't believe that that was the case. Mm-hmm. And especially at this moment because she hadn't made a movie in six years, five years? Five years, six years. Six, six years. years. Six years. And the two before this had and been it's big really, flops. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what there, were the ones before? The two before were The Weight of Water, mm. which was shot in 2000, festivaled in 2000, not released until 2002. And K-19, The Widowmaker, of course, the namesake for this miniseries, Pod-19, The Widowcast, uh, which also came out in 2002. 
And those yes. two movies bombed really fucking hard. Right. Do you guys have podcast widows? That's such a bummer. Podcast, the widow, whatever. Oh my God. Caster. Oh my God. Yes, the widow caster. Uh, but in between, she did make a TV show. We should mention. Starring. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Starring. Uh, for Remind me. Who's the star? Jim Belushi. Whoa, really? No, that's Wild Palms, right? Oh, Wild Palms, the miniseries. Yes. Yeah, we're, no, Star I'm talking Shimbles. about the inside, which is which she how got fired she, off of. I know, but that's how she um, gets to uh, to uh, the script. Ball. Okay, yeah, yes, yeah. but she did get fired off of that. But she, I just think we should connect the dots because for some reason, Jim Belushi has come up almost every single know, episode know, of this miniseries and seemed off topic. And that was going through the filmography and Wild Palms, a miniseries that she directed a part of, starred Jim Belushi. So guess what? All those Jimbo references on topic. I agreed. I just remember I read an interview with her once where she was like, look, I wasn't like, like dead. Like, it's not like I was sure. not yes. allowed to make right. movies. I did work on this TV show and that kind of didn't happen for she me. She directed episodic stuff. She, I think she did right. a documentary. So I, she was yeah. sort of floating around is all she's yeah. saying rather than like, it wasn't like I had to like break the door back down to get back into the industry. Sure. But uh, yeah, she had been gone for a little while and she definitely, it had been a long time since she'd made a hit movie, mm -hmm. basically uh, 15 plus years yes. uh, because Strange Days was also not a hit. So yeah, uh, The Hurt Locker. Have you introduced our guest? No, our guest has uh, a, a great friend of ours, but hasn't been on since the Star Wars days. Oh, it's mm -hmm. a good episode. It's because you guys own. don't like me very much. That is not We're just pretending. True. We're just pretending we're friends. It's fine. It's fine. There were a couple that you were My almost pain on. About it, it's going in the Hurt Locker. <laughs> there were a couple you were almost on. I remember. Oh my God, thank you. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I feel like there were a couple times where it was floated out. No, no, no. I'm to not. Have you on episodes and then it didn't work out for schedule? Yeah, reasons. we wanted you on Catch Me If You Can, actually. I remember that. Oh, right. right. And then, yes, and then we did. I'm not making weird. this up. There no, were no, times that we were right. talking about. Mm, but, you know, yeah. You know, and you were going to be on the uh, Michael Bay series that we do not speak of. Right. Wait, is that not happening anymore? It may well, happen one day. It was supposed to happen five months ago. Guys, get me on to talk about the island. I have so yeah. many feelings about the island. It's unreal. That everyone wants unreal. to talk the island. It is true. That oh, was the hottest everyone? one. Yeah. Oh, I think funny. because it's the weirdest movie he's yeah. ever made. But Alex made. Ross Perry wants to talk the island. Mm. Oh, no. I have competition. What if we have 12 guests on our The Island episode? We're not doing Michael Bay anytime that soon. That would actually be really funny. By the way, we're doing Michael Bay next so if you're listening, we're doing Michael Bay. Oh, wow, you said their names. Leap it out, Ben. Leap <laughs> it out. As our rival. All right, we're not going to talk about them. We're going to talk about the Hurt Locker. Of course, we're talking about cereal. Um, <laughs> come out of cereal. Don't bleep that out. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Leave that in. Leave that one in. Bleep the first one out. Cereal. Also, twisted. Also, fingered. Uh, <laughs> Unbreakable. <laughs> Do you still even have that one? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. We're being real silly. No, it's fine. Our uh, guest today is a writer for Variety. Damn right. TV critic at Variety. Right. And, and uh, you know, uh, analyze the broken heart of Anakin Skywalker <laughs> on Revenge of the Podcast. And uh, Padme Damn. Amidala. That was a They're two broken hearts. They're broken hearts. Yeah. Yeah. That meant a lot to me, you guys. Anakin, yeah. you're breaking my heart. <laughs> right, it was that episode. <laughs> yep. It's a good episode. It's She's crucial. A good friend, Sonia Soraya, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Oh my God, thank you guys so much for having me. It's really great to be here. Really excited. To have I you just, here. it was when we were with talking Bigelow and we were like, and I was like, I had this vague notion. I was like, I think Sonia 
might really like the Hurt Locker. Like it was sort of just like lodged back in my head somewhere. I feel like if I've ever mentioned something to you in the past like six years of our friendship, you remember it. It might be like floating in my brain. Right, right, right. No, so that makes sense to me. you used to podcast together. We did, although I don't don't know that we ever talked about the Hurt Locker or anything like that. I remember, but maybe we did. It's mostly just David's brain. It's everything. I I, I kind of like to, sometimes when we're like in gatherings with other (laughs) people. David's brain, it's everything. No, there's everything is in there. Sure. Like I'll be like, randomly I like called him across the room David what was the 2003 winner for best picture and he'll like just say it and everyone around me is like oh my god I didn't know David could do that and I'm like you guys this is why you're friends with David Um, (laughs) uh, yeah it's uh, I did do a game once at a party I remember where I could name the first and I mean not sorry not the first first but the title of the last episode of most TV shows wow you know what I mean because the last episode of most TV shows is usually this kind of like vague sounding title with a Frasier. sense of like finality. Portentous, yeah. I can't remember Frasier. So good. The last one. Yeah. Mad About You. Mad About You, I have no idea. Yeah. Frasier, I do know and now that's sticking in my craw. What? Inside Schwartz. <laughs> <laughs> they finally go outside Schwartz. No, I don't know. <laughs> um, How I Met Your Mother. I don't know. That, that, one, that was oh. after. Yeah. For, oh, Good Night Seattle. That's the last oh, yeah, episode of, of Frasier. Oh yeah, of course it is. Yeah. But I mean, I'm thinking of like like Mash. The, the Mash is uh, Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen. Oh, right. ER. Like, sure. ER is... Because mm, that's the one with Alexa Spladell. It ha- it got, they have such vague names. Fuck. Do you remember what the last one? No. For you ER? Know. No. Like, you know what no. the last episode of The West Wing is called? Oh, my God. I'm going to look up No, here. I don't think I do. Tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Of course it is. Ugh. It's like it's something yeah. sort of uh, amazing to me about yeah. how boring these titles get to be. Like the last episode of, the Lo- of Lost is called The End. Yes. It, that one. Uh, I did. And and Blackadder is just goodbye with like goodbye. several E's. Yeah. Uh, so- ER's last episode is called And In The End. Yeah, sure. <laughs> like, it, like, right? It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. You could, I could play this game all Sex day. Sex in the City. Oh, wait Sex a minute. That one called, I should know. It's called like An American in Paris, but like not that. Isn't Wait, it? I thought that was the. Or is that the beginning of the? I thought last... that was the beginning of the Paris it might arc. Be. It might be. Yeah. Oh uh, shit! How... No, I'm right. An oh, American you... girl in Paris, part une and part oh, deux. Part deux, right? Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> uh, six six feet unders is everything ends. Uh-huh. The Sopranos is made in America. Yes. Uh, Mad Men is person to person. Person to person. Good. Good name. Breaking uh, the... Breaking Bad is Felina. Felina. The Simpsons. <laughs> never gonna happen, baby. Never. It's literally never gonna happen. Yeah. Uh. Yep. Uh. Yeah. I could keep going all day, but uh, blank check. Should probably do this podcast, right? <laughs> blank check the Last hurt episode, locker. The hurt the, locker. The blank check the TV show, which someone's <laughs> gonna make. It's someone's gonna make it. Um. It's weird because this this is the last episode we're recording in this uh, mini series. We're saying bye bye. We've done this a little out of order for because of guest scheduling, and I, I'm really happy with the lineup of guests. Yeah, we, we, we it was worth it too. But there was a the lot of like us earlier. throwing out to people who we haven't had on in a while, or people who we have never had on before who had asked about doing the show and saying like, which of these do you want? And no one claimed the Hurt Locker. It's true. I would. I thought that was going to go early, but for some reason right. that was the only one it's kind uh, of that the, no one left. The at. big one, and we weren't like picking a movie and then reaching out to people. Mm-hmm. So then we had this thing where we kept on like we had recorded every other episode. And we were like, "Who do we get on for the Hurt Locker?" And then David went like, "I think Sonia really likes it." And I was like, "Yes, yes, yes, yes." And uh, all three of us. I mean, Ben, did you see this movie in theaters? No. 
And had you seen it before recording this episode? Uh, I had seen it less than a year ago. Okay. Yes. So you'd seen it recently. The three of us had not seen it since it was in theaters. I saw it in theaters. theaters and then I saw it again, yeah, like last weekend. I thought of it very highly. I, I uh, remembered it pretty vividly. Yeah, I remembered yeah. the first half very well. Oh, God. The second That's half, I was a little more like, I was like, oh, God, I forgot all this stuff happens. Like, I forgot oh. all this stuff with Beckham. The only mm-hmm. thing I remembered really was the boy was the body bomb yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. because that part is so fucked up. And, I did vaguely remember that, and I was actually reading about it afterwards, yeah. and that's like a very controversial right. element. There's of only the movie. one. Case one case of it, of it happening that's documented. And, okay. it, and it didn't work right and did, I, which is unsurprising it right. seems a little tricky it's a crazy yeah, idea. Right. but i can actually see how in a movie that is otherwise right it was seen as too so sensational right yeah, 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 yeah. that this body bomb plot that then turns into him becoming like a vigilante briefly yeah right I thought that was like a very interesting choice. I was wondering what you guys think about well, it. Well, we will definitely get we'll to get that. Oh, yeah, sorry, I, sorry, got a, I got sorry. a lot of hot takes on that. Hot takes. But um, I, I was reading through the Wikipedia page. Uh, I'll say, you know, going into this series, my feeling was I think Hurt Locker is a very good movie. I think it's really solid. Yeah. It's cool that it won Best Picture, but a lot of that was sort of the context of a little bit. The David it, versus the Goliath thing. But that's yes, like a cool but it's still best a picture pretty winner pretty surprising best picture winner. Very surprising. Right. And still is the lowest grossing best picture winner ever. Yeah. And uh, that's going to be hard to beat. Ever. Yeah. And even like, even yeah. unadjusted for inflation, most movies in the 60s and 50s outgrossed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you have to go back to like the 40s to find a best picture winner that makes less than. Whoa. And it's just. It ended up at 14, 16. 15, I think. Yeah. Uh, 17. Sorry. Like so low. Um, I think it was 15 before the Oscars and they re-released it for two weekends after that. It was already out on DVD and then wow. it went over to 17. Um, but like yeah. fucking The Artist makes like three times as much right. as Hurt Locker right. when The Hurt Locker is an action movie. And I know sure, it was also well, we'll talk about a summer a, release. It, Iraq it didn't movie, have though. the Oscar bump because it, it was, was already out of theaters by then. Yeah. Right. But it's a very, it's an unconventional war movie. I it mean, is. I think that's one of the reasons When I first watched it, I remember being very surprised because I thought that it was going to be about the like political setup of this war, like like an art and more of an argument to it. I got a lot of shit for saying not a lot of shit. It's a modicum of shit. I got some dingleberries for saying in our Dunkirk episode that Dunkirk was like an apolitical war movie, which feels impossible to make. Mm. People were like, well, there are obviously political elements. There's the sense of nationalism and how it's commenting on Brexit and all this sort of stuff. Mm. Which is like fine, but I think this movie falls in that same sort of category where it really is just like human character story within the setting of a war. It is mm-hmm. not concerned with the larger implications of the war by and it's not large. Excessively concerned with it, but it is. It comes across as being very anti-war. It does ultimately, it, like like most war right. movies about uh, right. the experience of the war actual war right are, the right. human toll of but, war. Sure. but it also right, comes right. across as being anti-war despite being about like the most pro-war kind of guy right in a totally. weird way without being in, like in a way right in a way but what i like about it is that he seems to have no ideology he right. just is like he's this guy the edge. Yeah. yes yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah. but this movie came after a run of everyone was trying to crack how do you make the modern war movie right. here we are we're like engaged in two wars it's a fucking a moral morass that we're all like swimming in. And there's just this series of war movies that don't fucking work. Well, that's the thing. I was like making an Iraq war movie was seen as unprofitable. Right. 
There's an, it's depressing. None People of them had done like well at the Oscars. Them. Like it had had not worked critically or commercially. Um, well, the contemporary Iraq War because Three correct. Kings yes. is really correct. A great film. But I'd Three say Kings is great, but was, did not make money from 2003 oh. on. It's great. Okay, from 2003 on, they all fucking belly flop. You go like Jarhead, In the Valley of Allah, Stop Loss, Green Zone. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. Green um, Zone's after this, I think. But yeah. Sure, you know. Um, no, but you're right. Uh, you know, body, even like body, body of lies, lies, right? Um, a movie my rendition. parents really like randomly. Body of lies is okay. It's a Ridley Scott action movie with Leo in it. You Mark know, it's kind of forgettable. Really yeah, when's he bad? Is Syriana about this war? No, Syriana is about um, the '90s Gulf War. But that's uh, also, certainly same. Yes, playing it sort in the of same falls pool. into the mash category where it's like about a previous war, Which but is made during well. the time, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, yeah, right. Jarhead is also a period piece, but the whole reason to make the movie at that point in time is to reflect upon the idea of war. Right. Yeah. Right. And, um, and specifically war in the Middle now, East. Now, of course, since this movie, and yeah. again, this movie was not necessarily a hit. No. Um, American Sniper came out, and that is now the, like, money-making Iraq War movie. And gets and a bunch of fucking Oscar nominations. A stirring-ish uh, fairly not pro it's not really a pro war movie exactly but it is certainly like a bit of a gung ho masculine movie about yeah. a hero I, a hero I right. still right. don't know what that movie is yeah well I don't know Clint Eastwood's weird yeah because uh, he's made anti-war movies and correct. he's made pro-war movies correct he has a lot of perspective on, on he's fetishized battle. violence he's criticized violence yeah. he's recontextualized violence and I mean you know he is just one of those directors who I think is like I'm just making a movie over here you yeah know, like you know uh I saw it a second time just to see if I could fucking crack what it was doing, and I still don't know. There are elements of that movie I like a lot. There are elements of the movie that frustrate me. I don't know if there's any guiding philosophy behind it. I think it's a well-acted film. I agree I'm not a huge fan of that movie. I'm not either. Um, And then there's also Lone Survivor, which is an Afghanistan movie. but did very well. Did do very well, and that movie is brutal and bad. But but both uh, of those movies come after Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker was the one that reversed the curse. It did. In a way. It did. It was the new adventures of old Christine. It reversed the curse. Oh, what a great show. <laughs> what was the last episode of that called? The old, old adventures, adventures of new Christine. Christine. Obviously. Okay, let's fucking let's shake hands and bet and just hope packed. and pray that we've nailed this. <laughs> I've also been jinxing with guests a lot in recent episodes. Oh, no. And with me. And with you. I'm just, I'm happy. I feel like I'm really sinking with people. We're still shaking our hands. We're still shaking. For, for some reason, the last episode is called Get smarter. God damn it! Uh, I don't know why. It may have just gotten canceled, though. Like, they may not have had an idea of, like, this is the finale, you know. Maybe Don Adams was on the last episode. Sure. It was a Maxwell Smart Agent 99. Yeah. Crossover. It, it, probably, right? I don't know. Hey, you yelled off Mike. So I, I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Yelling off, five yelling off Mike points. Thank you. So the Hurt Locker. Right, a Best Picture winner. <laughs> a defining film of the 21st century. Um... I, and you saw it in theaters? No, I actually saw it like on a couch after it came out on DVD, I think. But before yeah. the Oscars? Probably oh, after the Oscars. Because it was a long time before. between release and Oscars. It was a July you know. release. And yeah. Then, yeah, it I think I actually before. watched it before. Because yeah. I remember when she won, I was like happy. I was yeah. like, oh, I also watched it was fucking Avatar. Yeah, and I'm right. glad that yeah. that didn't win. But that was the thing. It was, it was so fully out of theaters and on home video that yeah. it had no Oscar bump. You yeah. know, like the box office was just fucking locked in and then they re-released it to try to squeeze a couple more dollars right. out of it. And that was, of course, the argument used to be really, it was really rare for there to be a Best Picture winner that wasn't a huge success. Like even the more prestige movies like your Schindler's Lists or whatever, 
they made a lot of money. You like, at least pre Oscars, a hundred, yeah. right? And uh, this was just not a movie that had done that. It had been like a bit of a success because no one expected anything of it. Sure. But, um, it it really did buck that trend. And it was kind yeah. of the entree for Jeremy Renner, right? Oh, a hundred percent, Mr. House. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, it's it it is. This is a genuine star making performance because mm-hmm. his career was not really going anywhere. I mean, he was mm-hmm. working. Yeah. But he was not a guy of any real note before this. And right. then overnight he got six franchises. Yeah. Five well, yeah, of they which really didn't tried work. to cram him into a lot of stuff. Right. right. Because he was 35 in this movie. Oh. You know, he'd been around. And it comes out like two years after they've shot it. So by the time it comes out and he's getting the Oscar nom, he's like 37. Wow. And he'd been in some stuff. Like he'd been in the assassination of Jesse James. He's in. Uh, D- Dahmer was the big thing, which wasn't uh, a big movie. Country, people but said he was say, really good. He in was that. in Dahmer, yeah. which is one of his first performances where he plays Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Uh, which is a tough movie to watch yeah. uh, by any means. But he imagine. is pretty good in it. And she had seen him in that and thought, this is my guy. Yeah. L.I.E. he's really good into. I'm interesting. Right? Yeah. Got that. Um, uh, Long Island Expressway? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he used to work on the Long Island Expressway doing road work, and he was really good. That's, like, really interesting. Uh, and then the other two stars, <laughs> stars, I mean, they weren't stars then, are Anthony Mackie, uh-huh. who had been in stuff. I mean, I know. the most high profile of the three at that point, because he'd been in big movies. He's in Half Nelson, which he's really good eight in. Eight Mile was he's, his first film. He's in Eight Mile. He... You know, he pl- he was a supporting. Pl- he was like a guy. He but wasn't he was, like a star. He was a yeah. guy in big movies for sure. He's a cutie too. Right. He's a, God, a very handsome guy. Me, this guy is. This guy is uh, he's handsome. Fuego. Yeah. yeah. I, oh. I, hey, look. You give me a plate of Anthony Macaroni and cheese. <laughs> I'd eat it up. Um, of Anthony course, Macaroni now both of them are in Marvel movies, yes. uh, along with uh, Evangeline Lilly. That's true. This film has three marvelers. She's the Wasp. And then Brian Garrett is the one who kind of doesn't pop after this. And, you know, he's well cast. He's, he's oh, really good yeah. in this, I think. Uh, he's I was excellent. telling David yesterday how much I liked him. But, yeah. you know, he was in Chicago PD. Uh, uh, he was in Flight, which oh, he's pretty good, good in. Oh, for him, though. Sure. Yeah. yeah that's sweet for him. Yeah. Uh, but he's just kind of, and it's funny when you see someone's in Chicago PD. It means they were also been in Chicago Fire and All Chicago, Chicago Med yeah. and right. Chicago Law. Such a pretty or good deal. I mean, you end up getting some good residuals if you get cast on one of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, but yeah, it's funny that I guess he's well cast though. He's very well he's cast. Very well cast. Yeah. And uh, so they um she casts these guys. Yeah. But yeah, well, to go well, back further. To, oh, sorry. She meets Mark Bolt. She does this TV show. Who's a freelance journalist who had been embedded with a bomb squad. Decides to so, shift to Tinseltown. Right. He, they had worked together on The Inside, which was this TV show that didn't come together. Tim Minear show. What was The Inside about? Uh, it was also based on one of his articles. What was it about? It was Tim Minear, Howard Gordon. Wow. Uh, it was inside the work, inside the work of FBI's Los Angeles Violent Crimes Unit. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sounds great. But she like developed it, shot the pilot, and then they picked it up and redeveloped it, reshot, fired her. Right? Yeah, it made it a little more boring, I think. Yeah. Rachel Nichols, Adam Baldwin, Katie Finneran, I mean, Nelson Ellis, Peter Coyote. This is a good cast. Is good actors. Tim Minear, direct, you know, I mean, what Tim Minear's good. What network had it? Uh, CBS. Oh. Wow, I was expecting something prestigious. No, I was expect so that's interesting Mm -hmm. though. It was just you know 2002. Just it didn't you know whatever it aired. Yeah, 13 episodes and then that's that. But it's the start of Biggie Bowl. Bowl, yeah, Mark Biggie Bowl, Biggie Bowl, Biggie Bowl, Biggie Biggie Bowl Bowl. Now Mark Bowl, who I think 
is her biggest, often the biggest hindrance to her movies now that they are collaborators, right? Each of her movies, I would say the screenplay is often what slows me down the most. Do you feel that way about this film? Yes. Interesting. What do you feel is the biggest? I think the script's really good. I feel about this film. Yeah. Uh, I I think this is his best script by far. I was ready to, because we've already recorded our Zero Dark Thirty in Detroit episodes, feel like the bloom was off the rose a little bit and come back to this one looking at the screenplay a little more clear-eyed and seeing more of his tricks, which sometimes happens. You know, when a writer comes on the scene and they're hot and they got a new voice and then you see them do it five more times and you're like, oh, I get it now. It's not that impressive. I see the machinery of your one yeah. routine you do. Yeah. yeah, I'm feeling some of that with the uh, good old Taylor Sheridan these days. Yeah, for sure. Where I'm like, Speaking I'm now retroactively Jordan. less impressed with some of those earlier screenplays because yeah. I feel yeah. like you got one story you keep on telling. Yeah, yeah. he wrote Sicario and uh, he wrote Hell or High, High Water, Water and, and then Wind River. Wind River, which yeah. is a very interesting counterpoint to uh, Jeremy Renner's performance in this movie, I think. Sure. Um, but uh, I, I think the script's really fucking strong. And I think I, the first half of the script is really strong. And I, then the second half, I have a little bit of trouble with. But everything else I like. I like the whole script. I think that, that's interesting. I think that if you separate it into quarters, I think first quarter, second quarter, and fourth quarter are great. Oh, sure. Yes, and I that's, think the that's third, fair. Quarter third quarter is where things get hairy. I'm down with that. The Beckham sort of revenge stuff. I am talking about the body bomb to yeah. the vigilante right. yes. invasion that's, that's of the house. what I'm thinking. Which I think about. is the most problematical. That was my least favorite part of the film. I have a take on it now. We'll get to it when we get to it. We're going we're gonna to talk about our takes. But um, I... I think this is a very uh, unconventional screenplay. I mean, this is like the kind of screenplay that any fucking film school would tell you not to write because it's very episodic, right? I mean, there's no real narrative propulsion. It's like a series of different missions. Yeah. And it becomes a character piece, but the characterization and how they build those characters is pretty unconventional. Yeah. Because you never have the big confession scenes. You never have the crazy backstory. You get little bits and pieces here. But it's a lot of just behavioral stuff that just kind of stacks up on top of each other. Yes. But it's one of those movies where you could rearrange the major set pieces of this film in any order you want. Well, the Certainly story, the first few. There, this, there's no continuity to them. Right, right, there's right, a build right. to it that works in terms it's of storytelling. like, what do we got now? Okay. Right. Right, right, right. I mean, it's interesting because I feel like the arc is actually less present for him because he's kind of a constant. Right. And then it's, it's it's really the other characters trying to get the fuck out yes. that have a sort of sense of, like, urgency as you build towards their last days. In, right. right, right. Like, it's a movie about one guy who only knows how to exist in war, and he teaches two other people that they shouldn't be in the war right. anymore. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, they see him and they're like, fuck, this isn't for me. <sighs> so sad. One of the things my sister was saying a few times, and I was sort of building on this with her, is that like each of them is a different kind of veteran. Like that there's yeah. that there is like which is not to say those are the only three kinds, but you know that like she like has heard the story of the guy who's so fucking scared, like mm-hmm. and like is keeps Blake like Owen oh, like keeps blaming himself for the thing he didn't do, and then the person who just is like, I have to like leave and like start my own life because this right. is like broken me. And then there's also the person that doesn't know how to function unless they're in that space. And like these experiences are all present in this place right. and like come out. Yeah. Well, and I walk, no, yeah, for sure. I walk yeah. away from this film feeling like Garrity is going to have a much easier time readjusting and processing everything right, than Matt. He's going to be yeah. like, that was bad. Yeah. It made me feel bad. And he was well, very he, in touch with his emotions the entire time he was he, there. He understands right, the stakes right. of the enormity right. of it. But he also gets, 
he gets James right from he's he like he like he he nails him by the yeah. end or he like what he says that line that scene I think is so good yeah where he's like for your fucking adrenaline fix and then he's able to turn to Mackie and be like get home safe man like yeah. smiles and like the whole right. thing yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like the switch and you're like he's fine he's figured it out meanwhile Mackie in what I think is his best moment when he gives his final speech about oh. needing to leave yes and he breaks down crying oh it's so good what's amazing I think about that performance is he does not look physically like he's crying at all yeah it's one of those things where like it, it's suddenly just like the piping broke yeah and water is just streaming right. down his face but he's just like talking clinically and he's trying to keep it together right, right yeah right. and it's like yeah. oh this guy's fucked this guy is fucked he's he's, he's going to go back he's home to the woman he loves right. and right. he's going to raise a child and he's going to be sure, a doting he father has a, he's a never going to be complete yeah, right, right. Right, right, yeah. right 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 um i you know not not to tip hand you know, for the next episode after this one. Uh-huh. But in my mind, I had, you know, filed away, okay, Zero Dark Thirty is her, like, Stone Cold masterpiece. Oh, wow. Hurt Locker oh, is, like, a pretty good movie. Oh, interesting. And what I was very surprised by on rewatching was Zero Dark Thirty and now degrained to, like, a very good movie. Sure. I think a movie promise is a very good movie. I think, I think this, this is, like, a fucking masterpiece. Yeah. I agree. I agree with, I yeah. would agree with that, I too. Agree. And I agree. I did with, watch Zero Dark Thirty in theaters because I liked this movie yeah, right, so much. Right, and right. I did feel a little bit, like, mm. See, at the time, Zero Dark Thirty, I was, like, 100%, like, fucking knocked out. And I yeah. was, like, this is the movie that, like, I feel like I wanted Hurt Locker to be. And now rewatching it, a lot of that movie jars for me. I still think it's very good, uh, but with some major issues. And this for me was just like, even the stuff I could argue doesn't really work. It's, uh, I was talking to someone last night who said to me, I think the thing about movies is no movie is perfect, but the movies you love are the movies where you love and accept their flaws. That's a good call. Right? And it's like, with this, there are like things I could pinpoint, but it's also like the whole piece of this thing just works so mm-hmm. fucking well. I, I agree. I also think that this is, for us, I certainly felt this way, a great movie to see after you just watched every single Catherine Bigelow yeah. movie. Literally the last one we're watching right, chronologically. Right. Yes. Yeah. After you just watch essentially all of her movies in three weeks. Right. You know, yeah. like. We record all uh, this very fast because I'm getting on a plane. I'm hiding out in Europe for a month. Yeah, but then we're bringing you back. Asshole. Yeah. yeah. Why are you going to hide out in Europe? Because I need to decompress. I've been oh. so stressed out. So many- oh my God. You're like a privileged actor person I am. Now. now I get to do that. Now I get to do that. Oh my God. I like, haven't gone on a vacation in forever because I always was like, oh, what if I get on a plane? I miss a job. I don't want to go to like, oh. you know, Minneapolis for two days. <laughs> And now I'm like, let me just go to Europe and sit in a cafe and read a book. Oh, my God. I'm yeah. so proud of you, Griffin. You. you made gonna, it. I'm a fucking asshole You made now. it. Now you can have your nervous breakdowns in private. Exactly. It's I'm going to have a private nervous breakdown in Europe. Okay, great. Well, David's boy. bored. I'm going to be like Jessica Chastain on the plane at I've the end of Zero Dark his, Thirty. I've heard all about his Paris. My Paris experience. His Paris. My sabbatical. So hey, Ben, how you doing? I'm good. So I... Watching most of Bigelow's movies mm-hmm. and then, you know, seeing this last night again. Didn't watch Detroit. I didn't. It's okay. Spoiler alert. That's easy pass. But yeah, I saw this movie in a different way. Yes. Because I feel like Renner, I like when I first saw it, I was like, this guy is badass. This guy's crazy. Sure. I kind of didn't, I didn't like him as no, much. I don't uh, think. I, I, he was so flawed to me this time around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's what's good about this movie, but I think that's what's good about all her movies are certainly Point Break. You know, the, the movies that are most about like men yes. doing male things. And this uh, is no, her so, most. Sony, this yes. already is that he she allows you to like the person 
as a flawed individual, maybe. It's mm-hmm. not like she's like, this is a bad person. Look at the bad right. person. Or this is a hero. But she is very upfront about what is wrong here. You and, know? and this is her most literal uh, presentation of masculinity and machismo. Her other films about masculinity are far more heightened. And yep. this is like kind this of... This is about a real thing. Right. And this is when she adopts this sort of documentary style. Yes. I mean, this movie was shot all on 16 millimeter, yes. which is crazy because a year later it would not have been. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, and they always had like at least three cameras rolling, mm. oftentimes four or five. Four mm. usually, yeah. And the crazy sad about this movie is this movie has the like craziest uh, footage shot to footage used ratio in film history. They wow. said it was like 100 to 1 wow. in terms of just getting so much fucking footage wow. because wow. she wanted to just have all these different angles, these camera operators going around all these different sides and do this crazy editing. And she had this quote that I'm going to fucking misrepresent now as I try to pull it up. But a lot of people, I think, adopt this style just because they go like, oh, it's like fucking born. It's cool. It's cool to make the like shaky cam like fucking intense shot by Barry Aykroyd who shoots the boy. Is the green grass yeah, guy. Yeah. Um, but she had this whole fucking take on why that needed to be the style for the movie, which is she felt like that that was the way to present the way uh, human beings process things in real time, especially like uh, visual information, especially right. in a heightened all around yeah. state like that where you're, con- yeah. uh, you're simultaneously conscious of the micro and the macro. Mm-hmm. And that if you make a shot and you hold yeah. on it, you're trying to draw the viewer's attention to one thing, the way you compose your shot, right? Ideally, there's some sort of center yeah. of it either by framing mm. or by action or whatever it is. But you're like bombarded by shit. Right. In, in this, she's seat, like, and she's moment, going between yeah. wide shots and close-ups and super close-ups and insert, all this fucking shit. Um, that's what she wants to do. And it feels very intentional. It's And it's, it's masterful, I have to say, because yes. I think that like one of the things that, and, and again, it was fun to watch it with Tanya who hadn't seen it before and she didn't know what was going to happen, is that it's like, what she's like, what happened? Did they have the phone? Did they not have the phone? Did the phone make it go off? Right. And I'm like, we don't know. Yeah. Like, we literally have no idea. Like, and that's going to be the takeaway of every scene, right. that we don't know what actually happened. Her, her right. line is, that's how we experience reality, by looking at the microcosm and the macrocosm simultaneously. The eyes see differently than the lens, but with multiple focal lengths and a muscular editorial style, Ooh. the lens can give you that microcosm, macrocosm perspective, and that contributes to the feeling of total immersion, which is a boss fucking statement muscular i love that she's so hardcore we talk about this a lot on the strange days episode but we should talk about again this movie shot in jordan near the iraq border because she wanted to get as close as she could to iraq she could not shoot in iraq because the war was going on yeah average temperature in our shooting day was 120 degrees 120 degrees wow uh she recruited mostly iraqi refugees who were living in jordan to to be be the the stand-ins and to be the uh you know onlookers and the extras and uh, the actor in the very crucial scene at the end is an Iraqi actor. Oh, man. Uh, that is a... That's so fucking boss. Really the, intense scene. Even looking at the crew, uh, like the number of Arabic oh, yeah, names sure. right, and right. that in was the, so fucking credits. satisfying to me. Like, sure. just seeing that there's like... Like, I think one of the things that really comes through in the film is how much she wanted to, like, honor the experience. Like, not just necessarily, like like capture it or 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 interpret it but like actually like herself wanted to understand it which i yes, think is yes. i'm always going to have respect for that you know it, yeah i i think that's that's fair i think yeah. that's right and i and also i do think she's drawing that from bull who flaws aside is a journalist and he likes to draw from real sources to make yeah. these things and yada, yada yada yeah uh so they shot it in jordan they made it for 15 million dollars it was an independent film 
Uh, it premiered at Venice and did pretty well. It hopped over to Toronto. This is in 2008. Right, exactly. Um, so, you know, and then it gets picked up by Summit. Uh, not a huge point, company, right. Twilight but was Twilight big. was big. They, like Twilight had come out right. that year? Uh, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. It was right. I guess Twilight was about to come out. Twilight so comes imagine, out. Imagine your two movies. It comes out that November. Twilight right. and the right. Locker. No, but Twilight comes Twilight out that comes November. Out November right. Right. So, so they purchased it before Twilight. They buy it for only a million point five, which is definitely less than they wanted considering it cost 15. And then they don't release it until the following summer. So there's that weird thing with this movie where it gets nominated for Spirit Awards the year before right. it wins the Oscar. Right. It doesn't get a Best Director nomination. This is all true. This is all true. Despite her winning the Oscar. At uh, the Spirits. You mean. Right. Tom McCarthy wins Best Director for The Visitor. Really? Yeah, which is fucking weird. The Wrestler wins Best Picture. Oh, right. Aronofsky wasn't even nominated for Director either. The Indie Spirits are and odd. And Mackie and Renner are nominated for Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor. Um, and then the following year when it sweeps the Oscars, it isn't nominated at the Spirits because mm-hmm. that sometimes will happen where if yeah, a movie well, they, they, they champion a little movie that hasn't even come out maybe. But um, it, it speaks to how uh, no, yeah, low sure. everyone's expectations this, for the movie were. If a movie tell, has a big festival run, they don't think it's going to get a big theatrical release. They'll nominate it at the Spirits after the festival run. Tell me the most amount of screens this was on. 450. No, you're a little higher. 535. Yeah. In its seventh week, that was at the height of its expansion, which is not very large. Uh, and then, yeah. and it never like a, the a wide 10, release is right? like two thousand twenty yeah. three thousand. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I assumed you know. I mean, yeah, no, uh, no, no. I but appreciate for the listener as well. Um, You're saying it to the listener, but you also stared Sonia dead I did, in the but eyes. I was, uh, yeah, I stared no, but he he has he's not wrong. I don't always know these things. <laughs> um, can I can I read some stats here from the Wikipedia on the production? Okay. Uh, Jeremy Renner says he got food poisoning. Right, I saw lost that. 15 pounds in three days. <gasps> the bomb suit, when he's in the full bomb suit, weighs 100 pounds. So imagine you're in 120 degree heat. You put on that suit, which had an extra 100 pounds, and probably adds an extra 100 degrees onto your body temperature, right? When he's carrying Beckham down the stairs, the body, he oh, twisted no. his ankle and couldn't walk. Filming shut down, right? They said, at that point, direct quote, people wanted to quit. All the departments were struggling to get their job done. None of them are communicating. A week later, filming resumed. Uh, they couldn't get most of the guns they wanted into Jordan. So the props guy had to build weapons like overnight. Like he was working like 14 hour days to try to build oh the weapons for God. them. Jesus. They used Chinese fireworks because they couldn't have gunpowder. Oh my so they God. had fireworks loaded into all the guns. One day he was assembling a prop and the heat and friction caused the fireworks to blow up in his face. Two days later, he returned to work. It's one of those movies. No where, trailers, no private bathrooms. Right, 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 like right. everyone was like apparently losing their minds on this fucking movie and threatening to quit all the time. Every single department. Oh my god! Everybody was losing it. Oh my god! And it's one of those movies where now that it's basically the best movie that almost everyone who worked on it has ever worked on. Yeah. So like Mackie or Renner would a be career like, defining. It was a really tough shoot. It was really tough. Yeah. I'm glad we made it. You yeah, know, it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's not like one of those yeah. things where you're like, you know what? We had a lot of fun, even though it was yeah. like, there was yeah. a lot of camaraderie. Right. They're just like, it was really, really tough. 
Yeah. It was tough. Ren- you know? like, Renner they says, don't really beat around it. But it kind of makes yeah. sense, too, because the film is about a really tough place. It, it yes. contributes. And yes. maybe it contributes, right. right? Yeah. Right. Like, if making my best friend's wedding was this right. tough, right. the movie would probably suffer. It would feel a little different, right? But he says, right, he's got this quote where he says, there were two by fours with nails being dropped from two-story buildings that hit me in the helmet, and they were throwing rocks. These are just civilians, right, in Jordan. We got shot at a few times when we were filming by real people. What the shit? Renner said, when you see it, you're going to feel like you've been in war. And like that sums it up pretty well, which is like they had a fucking nightmare experience, but it all translates on screen. Yeah. Because these guys just look so fucking worn out in every single shot in a way you kind of can't fake. I don't care how good an actor you are. There's something just about like these three actors being so fucking committed to these parts, being real pros, but also being at their fucking wits end, Mm -hmm. like looking physically and mentally and emotionally depleted. Except for Renner. Right? Who's having a fucking great time. Which is why I think he's so bad. What I like about him is he's not a cowboy, like, if that makes sense. Like, he's not, like, yee-hawing. He's just genuinely unflappable. Yeah. Like, to the extent that when people are, like, trying to pump him up, too, he's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, whatever, man. Like, yeah, Yeah. I guess so, you know. he is is flappable, but in a very specific situation. But but you're right. Yes, he's very, like, affectless most of the time. Right, because, like, when he's doing wild shit, yeah. They're like, holy shit, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. This it's is just, fine. yeah. And okay. that opening scene where he points the gun at the cab. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. He's so nonchalant. Yeah. Not only is it nonchalant that he's pointing the gun at him, it's nonchalant when he starts threatening him and shooting at the cab, you know, shooting outside the cab to try and get him to go. It's like he's, he, he's just like, here's a problem. I'll try and deal with it. You right. know, like. So affectless is the word I want to get to here, not to gang up on this movie, but just because it's the recent Jeremy Renner counterpoint. But I was like so frustrated watching uh, Wind River because the entire time I was like, don't let Renner go full cowboy. Like they let him lean into it too much and he's staring off in the middle distance and swaying (laughs) going, you know, the thing they say about revenge is, you know, it's it's a lot of that. I actually kind of wanted Wind River to just be more of a Western though. Like that, I was like, snow Western, give me snow Western. sure. And then it turns into this like, yeah, revenge I, I got drama right. yeah but you watch yeah. this yeah, Ben would probably love it but then that sounds great it yeah. kind of has this last act turn that I just I just couldn't uh, I, I, is there like a skiing thing there's like a lot of snowmobiling a lot of snowmobiling snowmobile is his horse oh, oh for fuck's sake yeah, yeah. Ben you'll and, love uh, it and he's like it's one of the, he works for the Department of Fisheries and an early question that Elizabeth Olsen asks him is like what do you do and he's like I kill predators because he like his job is to like shoot predators who would attack uh, animals. It's also a movie on the prairie uh, about a white man who knows the land yeah, of the I Native know. Americans Look, yes, better yes, than the Native yes, Americans. Yes, yes, and he refers to them as his people, because, his family, because he has a Native American. Son. So is the river made of wind? Or yes. it's a Wind yes. River Native American Reservation. It's a real place uh, in Wyoming. That's what it's named. My after. point is the thing I rewatching this movie because when this came out, I had seen I hadn't seen Dahmer, but I had Indian seen. Uh, Renner and some other stuff and never was really crazy about him I remember he was the one guy in Jesse James I wasn't totally on board with he would often really be amped like very high he felt a little extra small roles felt a little extra there's a little bit of that Ben Foster thing where it's like you can take it down a notch you Mm -hmm. don't need to do that much he's Mm -hmm. trying to win most acting Mm -hmm. you know and I saw him in this and went geez he is so fucking unaffected in this Mm -hmm. there is no affectation whatsoever this is like this kind of really straight shot honest American leading man that we don't have right now. Mm-hmm. That like James Cagney line about like you, you hit your mark, you look the guy in the eyes and you you speak the truth. But it's funny because that, aff- that disaffectation is 
like sociopathic. And I'm, yes. I'm, I'm not trying to use too many psychological terms, but it is so interesting. For right? this character. She right. sees 100%. him in Dahmer. Yes. She sees him playing Jeffrey Dahmer. And she's like, I know I'm going to make you a fucking war hero. Right. And what does that mean? You know, like right. being and that person. And why and was she, she cast, drawn to him? Right. She yeah. casts yeah. Mackie, she said, off of Half Nelson, where he plays He's like great an incredibly Nelson. charming drug dealer who's mm-hmm. trying to like mm-hmm. completely subvert Yes. This young girl. Yeah. And I forget what she said she cast Garrity off of. I think Jarhead. I think yeah. he was in Jarhead. But she cast two guys playing like criminal roles to Dumber. play the two heroes of your movie. Mm-hmm. You know? He is in Jarhead, yeah. She understands like how twisted. Twisted. Both of these guys are. But it's funny. Be- well, I have so many feelings about that too because I feel like it's not even that she's saying that these, that these boys are twisted. And I say boys because I feel like there's a sense in which you, she cares about that. Like, say the word. Say what she's them. not saying. She said, well, I don't even know what you think I'm going to say now. Because You're starting I, to say I sort of feel twisted. like it's for fuck's sake. Um, <laughs> I sort of feel like it becomes this narrative about like what war means and what war does yes. to people. One of the things that I really love, like, and we were talking about this. Uh, we're talking about Will James, uh, Jeremy Renner's character in the context of cowboys or in the context of American heroes. But I, what I was actually thinking was that this this character, this like blood crazed warrior is like this universally human character mm-hmm. that you could point to throughout history. Like someone who sure. has a wife and family and goes goes back right. and like cannot relate to the domestic sphere anymore. Sure, and it applies you know? to the Western, to the samurai film, to any sort of yeah. archetype of the warrior in any culture in any warrior. time period. I was thinking right, about, right. you know how in Gladiator, how he's like obsessed with his wife and kid? Mm-hmm. And it's like funny how this guy is like kind of the perfect Roman warrior because he doesn't fucking care about his right. wife and kid. He wants to be in Germania forever right. or wherever it is forever. I just thought that was so interesting. Like it's yes. almost like she's saying war is this thing that cre- like that needs this person like this. Yes. In order to War exist. is a drug. hundred percent. Chris Hedges. Yeah. And, and what's interesting about this guy is that he doesn't seem to be looking for any of the sort of glory or the acclaim, you know? Yeah. He just can only work like this. Right. Like, like something like yeah. American Sniper, which is so much about how Chris Kyle became this like fucking legend yeah. within the military, out of the military. He sure. just is this guy that like he doesn't but, really have a reputation but, but, that precedes but, him. But mm-hmm. think about it. Like in American Sniper, the whole mystique about Chris Kyle is he has the most confirmed kills of any sniper ever, right? right. It's some number. I can't remember yeah. what it is. Right. And then there's the scene in this movie, which is my favorite scene in the whole movie, when yeah. David Morse, one yeah. of her great one-scene actors yes. in this movie, of which there are three, comes yeah. up and he's like, how many kills? How many kills? And he's like, like I, I don't know. know. He's like, come on, how many? And he says, what is like 800 And he's like, yeah. Hardcore, you're hard. You're a wild man. You're wow, a wild you're man. a wild man. And Renner's like, yeah, I guess so. You know, like he's not allowing himself to be well, like. The yeah. first but thing he also he, knows the exact number. He knows, he exact knows number. the exact number. It's not kills. It's, it's, it's disarmament. No, 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 I mean, I, I meant not kills. Yeah. I meant bombs. Yeah, bombs. Yeah. Right, right. But he's well, just like, you're a wild thing, man. You're and the funny thing is, he doesn't want to. Like Tanya said this, she was like, he didn't want to tell anyone. He didn't want anyone to know that. And I love that. His little thing of bombs. Like weird fucking bombs of trophies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does it for the love of doing it. Like. That's what's weird about this guy. Right. Well, right. And, also, and he knows it's weird. It's no, like, it's right, right. He but feels that shame over how reliant he is on this thrill. It's yeah. also like a conversation he's having with a person who's not there. Because yes. I mean, part of yes. what's great about these scenes, uh, in my opinion, the bomb scenes, yes. is that there's no villain. Like we're saying, maybe there's someone who's lurking right. over there. Maybe they have a camcorder. Maybe they have a cell phone, but, but like we don't even know. Scenes. But the villain is the machine. The villain right. is right. And the villain is nowhere, right? But yeah. the villain is everywhere and could go off at any time. It's a very good metaphor for what yeah. weird quagmire wars that we get ourselves yeah. sure. dragged into. Yeah. But um, 
but there's no villain, but he is kind of like, what were you thinking of making this? Right. Like, especially when he's in the car, he's like, mm, not in the, man. you know, like, yeah. and the, the more mysterious it gets for him, the more intrigued he is by it. And then when he finally gets his little switch or whatever, he's like, oh, yeah, there yeah. you go. You know, there's yeah. a certain appreciation of the craft. Yeah. Yeah. Of the bombs that Which he's makes sense to- for a man whose job is undoing craft, I guess, right. you know, yeah. like, um, and there's something and I about, love like, that earlier yeah. scene where he pulls out the battery for the first bomb scene. Sure. And the guy who is probably the trigger man is running away and he's just like, look, I got it. He shows yeah. it to him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. He doesn't God. care about the guy. Yeah. He, he probably knows the that's guy. the trigger man. He doesn't oh care. He's just like, I got and it. And yeah. when he's pointing the gun at the guy in the cab and I feel like when I was watching this, because it's like, so it's your first scene yeah. really yeah. where you're looking at like a guy, like a right. an, an Iraqi person presumably who may or may not have something to do with this. Mm-hmm. You're looking at him in the face. He's got the gun, like he's pointing it at him. He doesn't kill him, right? No. You stare at him. You, the audience, are wondering what the fuck is going through this guy's head. And that we he know drove nothing about William James. Right. Yeah, into yeah, yeah. this intersection and is just fucking stranded. He backs up. And William James says, if that guy wasn't an insurgent before, he is now. And yeah. I was like, he doesn't care. Right. He, doesn't he doesn't care, care. He doesn't about, about who the bad guy is. Like, yeah. that's crazy to me. Like, yeah. I don't even know. But what that's good nuts. fucking character building? Like, immediately yes. from the first scene of this movie, right. you're like, I need to lean in and figure out who this guy is. Yes. Right. But uh, oh man! But and we should talk about the first scene. But no, sorry. Yeah. If well, you no. Say just something. I was about to say this the movie, comparison yes. between Guy Pierce yep, doing so, that. Yep. The structure. This is movie just does so a beautiful fucking Drew Barrymore in Scream, especially because <laughs> at the time of this movie, Jeremy Renner's not well known. <laughs> Anthony Mackie's no. one of those that guys. They're sure, bigger he's been now, around, but yeah. Maybe. But you're going into the film, and I remember there was. I mean, they included a good amount of both like Guy Pierce and Ray Fiennes in the trailer, yes, if I remember and, correctly, because yeah. they were like, "Here are the two faces people will know. We'll yeah. put them in the trailer, so you feel comfortable." Right. 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 But both of those guys die so fast. One scene yeah. die in five minutes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the movie starts out with Guy Pierce and he's doing a very classical kind of like hero soldier kind of performance. The way he's talking about everything. Yes, you know, you're totally right. And he's got some good jokes, some yeah. good one liners, yeah. and yeah. he's fucking handsome as so shit. He's, he's a fucking charming. He's a little bantery. They right. all love him. Right. And you're like, right, this is the lead of this war movie. Right. I right. totally get the movie I'm watching right she now. She fucking kills the shit out of him <laughs> as soon as she can. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I mean, because it's a good scene too. Yeah. Because to, yeah, yeah, you're go- with them. Right yeah. away. Yeah, like yeah, you're yeah. like, you know, I, I think it's good what they're doing. Oh my you know? God. And, and the, then she's like, well. And the guy with the cell phone in the butcher shop and yes. you're like so focused on him and you're like, what, like, what did he do? Did he do anything? And then also at the same time, what a fucking indictment of war mm-hmm. this turns into so quickly that you're like, look how fucking awful this is. They don't know what they're doing. They have yeah. this shit ass robot that is supposed to go do this stuff for them. Like, what are we doing here is like the first feeling out of the movie I'll, I feel. I'll say this too I know David you said that you know Bigelow's gone like I wasn't in jail you know I wasn't unable to make a film I was doing other stuff but I there is a sense of this movie where it's like this is my chance to make it count again you know mm, for sure yeah, like yeah, I yeah, lost yeah. whatever momentum I had movie. in the 90s she hits the ground running and this movie just like from minute one you can tell she's like I'm gonna make this count it's like a defiant movie right like yes there are very few movies i've seen build a sense of tension and dread this immediately Mm -hmm. like from like second 15 Mm -hmm. the movie's tight as a drum and and you're like fucking on it you can't look away like it's very engrossing like this is someone who has to leave it all on the field and as someone who is like addicted to my phone for me to say like i can't look away that means it doesn't matter how times you've seen it doesn't matter if you're watching it very compelling i was like watching a chunk of it like on my fucking ipad and a bagel shop and i was just like stop Talking, I'm watching the Hurt Locker. Why were you doing that? 
because I fell asleep watching it last night and uh-huh. then I had a dentist appointment early this morning, so I had to watch the second half of it. How is the dentist? I, good. I have a protruding gum flap. Oh, interesting. I have like gum that's- Is that something you've always had or is it a new thing? There's like- <sighs> Let's get into it. So they removed like three of my wisdom teeth like four years ago, but there's <laughs> one they didn't remove because it's right on a nerve and they were like, there's a 15% chance if we take it out, it will cause a Stallone. A, a Sylvester Stallone? You'll have like a Stallone kind of like, you know, or or best case oh, scenario, like, like a Ruffalo like kind a of mouth type a little of bit thing. of a droop. Yeah, so oh. no. Right. No, thank you. Right. right. So they didn't remove it, but then what's been happening now is my gum has been like growing over oh. the wisdom tooth that hasn't been removed. Oh. So A shit gets caught under Why there. Do we have these things. I, teeth? Get rid of them. Dumb. <laughs> I think it's so dumb that we have wisdom teeth. Yeah, some w- people have evolved to not teeth. have them anymore. Sure, yeah, w- wisdom which teeth, is obnoxious. More like the dumbest teeth. They're dumb. I think they're dumb. Okay, then fucking answer the question. Why do we have wisdom teeth? Oh, um, some leftover, right? Yeah, some leftover shit from yeah. like prehistoric. Like, because we probably had to fucking chew the shit out of some raw ass mm-hmm. meat. Well, and probably you would have fucked up a lot of yep. your teeth before then by yeah, that point. Yeah, right. And they're so like you need up. your 30-year-old tooth. We have, our, uh, in the we have our tailbones too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I just actually, Why use that, I though? just was talking about this. Hey, our teeth fall out as kids and then grow yeah, back. That sucks. That's crazy. That teeth, fucking sucks. Why is teeth that are so thing? fucked up. It's like, yeah. They're if like, it, uh, you know, um, I was reading uh, fingernails. You know, they're like horns. It's the same process. Oh, yeah, we're just weird. Bodies are weird. Bodies are really weird. Animal end. Uh, I, I just want to say this on the record. My one remaining wisdom tooth is literally the least intelligent tooth in my body. Mm-hmm. Dumbass tooth. It's it's fucking <laughs> everything up and showing no remorse. And I keep on going like, "What are you doing?" It's like, "What me?" It's fucking dumb tooth. Yep. Uh fucking so, up my mouth, making me watch Hurt Locker in a bagel shop. Guy Pierce dies. Guy Pierce dies very quickly, and and Owen could have saved him, but he doesn't. So Owen could have shot the guy with the cell phone. Oh, and this introduces another very interesting character, I think. The fucking army therapist. The army psychologist. Christian Camargo. Cambridge. Who we all know as the ice truck killer. That's all I know him as, really. The I don't know who killer. this guy is either. He's in Dexter season one. He's oh. sort of the big bad Never of watched Dexter that. season one. The inclusion one. of this guy is so interesting, right? Yes. The inclusion of him and of David Morse as these authorities who have no fucking clue what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And one yeah. is a little more of a gung-ho asshole and one of them right. is more of a like, no, we're here. I mean, it's the scene of Christian Camargo's character uh, interacting with the, <sighs> the citizens <sighs> where he's like, very nice country. Very nice. This area is a little dangerous if you want to move. Move. And he's talking move. to someone who is putting rocks into a wheelbarrow. Like, the guy knows it's dangerous. Well, remember he, he says to moving Owen. moving rubble around. Yeah. In his first, uh, yes. And in, <laughs> and in his first scene, he says to Owen, the army could be, this could be the best time of your life. Like, Yeah, he's trying to be like, look, oh. think of it as an adventure and a, you're in a new place. And you like know. on one hand, of course he has to say that sure, because right. he's fucking, bu- and on the other hand, I wanted to punch him in the face. Well, it's sort of I was like, so disgusted. It's like if your sister sucked, like, <laughs> you know, but like the way, like he's viewing it, like he's watching a movie about people in war. Yeah. And it's like, oh, what an interesting, like psychological condition he's got right. there. What an interesting coping mechanism. Right. This could be really interesting for you if you like are able to process it later. And it's yeah. like, fuck you. Like I'm in the midst of this shit. And the fact that he's literally named Cambridge. Right. That he's named right. Cambridge and then Owen says yeah. like, oh, when was or that Harvard, at Yale? Yeah, wherever, right. right, right, right. And it's like, 
I don't know. That to well, me, also, that's such a crucial you know, veteran yeah, dynamic. A, well, sure, but this is also a movie about enlisted officers, and he is not. He's a he's an officer. Not not. Right, right, he's right. an officer about enlisted, you know, soldiers. You know, right, right, sure. right. Because even Renner, who is the highest ranked, he's a staff sergeant. And he, they are all enlistees. Right. Yeah. And um, I don't even know if it's if he's being an asshole. I think he is just demonstrating the absolute. Like shallow pool yeah. they have yeah. to draw from. He's glib. Yeah. He's not. Matt, do you know how glib that is? I don't know what you're that glib, is. Matt. It's Tom Cruise's Scientology interview. With oh yeah, Matt right, Lauer. right. Yes, you're yeah, glib, yeah, Matt. Yeah, you yeah. don't even understand how glib you sound he, right now. No, he is he said glib. glib like twenty. I think it's also it's like he has that that that's his best you know uh, weapon to draw when Brian Garrity is yeah. venting his real complaints. Yeah. He's like, yeah, no, I know, but think about <laughs> it. You're in a different country. Yeah, you know, like like yeah. that's that's the best he can come up with. But yeah. It's like a school guidance counselor telling you that like those kids picking on you are building character for the future. Well, well, well know? okay. Look, yeah. clearly you have a lot of access to grind against a lot of school guidance <laughs> counselors. <laughs> All right, so Guy Pierce's character dies. It's very traumatic, and I think it is very powerful how uh, powerful it is given you only mm-hmm. have ten minutes with him. Like mm-hmm. you feel his loss. Yes, right? and and uh, Bigelow pulls a couple jazz hands camera moves at the end of this where she does the super slow motion yes. shots of like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the rust, yeah. I think the things it. fall. Oh, that stuff's yeah. unbelievable. The blood yeah. in the helmet also right. really yes. gets yeah, to me. Which is like a flash. You yeah. know, you don't like, right. yeah. like linger Because most it. of yeah. the film is 16 millimeter. Those couple of shots feel very high resolution. Yeah, they I feel like know. they went to 35 yeah, sure, or shot on sure. digital or whatever, but it's super slowed down. And you're seeing the effects of these bombs in like real time, which like obviously an explosion well, is an explosion. Time. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but to but it was see that micro kind of like result makes you understand the actual impact of what well, I also didn't doing. realize. I'm sorry. I interrupt. No, no, no that was the end there. of my point. But yeah. like, I also didn't realize as someone who doesn't know a ton about explosions and also only sees TV explode, like, you know, or like dumb sort of uh, flashy explosions mm-hmm. in our pop culture that like you, that he could die from some, like, sure. does that make sense? I, yeah. I didn't realize that he could be that far away yes. and something would blow up and he could still die. And I actually thought that was really useful too, just in terms of establishing what the stakes were yeah. too, um, that it's not going to look like what you're used to seeing. And yeah. also I think their reaction to when he dies, where you don't have any like platoon drop to the knees, like cry up at the heavens thing. Yeah. Like they were just buddy, buddy with this guy. This guy, feels like the lead of the movie and now he dies and they're like, oh, fuck. And they go to that like box, like it's that a shoe box and, that and he's and in. Mackie throws yeah. the dog tags in. But just kind of like they probably lost like six guys like this. Sometimes yeah, above them, people. sometimes below them, you know? Yeah. Um. So. Now in comes. Cut almost immediately James right after that one scene to James. Now my brother, the <laughs> officer. In the first, right, Jamesy. Yeah. In the first scene, he's pretty nice where he's like, I'm sorry about your guy. I'm not trying to replace him. I'm just here, you know. Handles you it do? exactly the way you're right. supposed to. Introduce listening like, to new metal. Right? He's listening to new metal. Yeah. Is it Ministry? Is that the yes. band? Yeah. Listening to metal. Very, so that's just metal. Very that's not new metal. interesting okay. right. choice. Like, I just yeah. thought that was perfect. Anyway, uh, go he, on. The only weird thing he does, if it's weird at all, though we all sympathize, is he's like, let me take this cardboard you've just nailed, not card, you know, plywood you've nailed to the window yeah. off. Because yeah. I like light. I like yeah. <laughs> natural yeah. light. But he's also, he's got this weird smushy face. Jeremy Runner with this weird smushy pug face. He constantly looks like a kid who was just put in a timeout. <laughs> I, f- I find Jeremy Renner very handsome, but he's got a weird face and he's just got this like resting kind of like well, grump face. Maybe more to the point, he doesn't have a face, like he doesn't look necessarily like the lead of your of your. Movies. He does not. You know what I mean? He does yeah. not. But I also think I saw him on some talk show recently and he mm-hmm. was saying how he has a hard time interacting with children because his resting face looks unfriendly. 
He said that? Yeah, he did. That's why I'm not, That's I don't amazing. feel like I'm fucking mocking him right now. I think he does have a bit of a- And I think he's a, a, a friendly guy. Arresting grump face? His, his mouth Which is kind of downturned. why I think he's yeah. so good in the Mission Impossible movies. Agreed. Because his role there is the kind of like, I don't know. He looks disapproving. Yes. I said he looks like a kid who just was put in a corner you for time out. I know you now, you've said it twice. He looks like a kid who was just- Shut up, stop, stop it, stop it. Almighty, thank you so much. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry, I just- I just was stepped out. What, what sure. It looks like a kid who was put in a corner for timeout. Ben, you were supposed to be the voice of reason. Producer Ben, a.k.a. Producer Ben, a.k.a. the Ben Deucer, a.k.a. the Poet Laureate, a.k.a. the Peeper, a.k.a. the Haas, a.k.a. Mr. Hositive, a.k.a. our finest film critic, a.k.a. the Poet Laureate, Let's do the, thing. the fuck master, the meat lover, birthday Benny, dirt bike Benny. He is not Professor Crispy. He is the fuck master. <laughs> he has graduated to certain titles of the course of different masters, such as Kylo Ben, producer Ben Kenobi. Ben eight Ben Shyamalan say Benny thing Ailey Ben's with a dollar sign Warhaz and the fucking Purdue Bane. Oh man, Purdue going all the way back. Purdue Bane. Okay, so well, thank you for catching me up. Anytime, Bane would be useful in this movie for you. <laughs> for you, <laughs> you're a big guy. <laughs> I could do that all day. David just cracked himself up so much it, and no one else laughed. It's very painful. <laughs> You're a big guy. Watching Crashing this, this plane. Your Bane is now also starting to sound more like Marvin the Martian. <laughs> yeah. Crashing this plane. <laughs> no, mine was always the one that sounded like Marvin the Martian. I thought, oh, right. And then Ben ran with it and Ben does a better Marvin the Martian. Yeah, he does a good Marvin the Martian. Uh, let me your ears. <laughs> Take control. Take control of your city. <laughs> oh, boy. Boy, oh, boy. My point is Please. that this movie, shot almost 10 years ago, when Renner does look noticeably younger in this film, I didn't realize that yeah, this does, movie had come out that long ago. It feels like a more recent film. And then you sure. watch it and you're like, oh, right. It has yeah, been a almost a decade. Ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's looks, nine years old. He's yeah. fresher faced in this. But there is something when you have this introductory shot. Of him sitting in a car silently, right? Not thrashing, not looking angry, with right. no emotion, listening to mystery. Yeah. Just with this weirdly kind of downturned face. Yeah. And then they like retrieve him. He's like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is this guy at neutral. This is this yeah. guy like sure. happy. Yeah. And his first bomb defusal mm -hmm. uh, is what, what I love this scene. This is my favorite, probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. Except for maybe David Moore saying he's a wild man, uh -huh. uh, which is where because uh, just because I love again Bigelow, the director. Um, yes, the scene where it's like uh, they they're like they arrive at a scene. There's an abandoned Humvee, and they're like, hmm. and so they walk uh, around, yeah, and then they come across yes a, a group of men who are soldiers <laughs> with assault weapons, wearing helmets, helmets and armor, and gear. cowering <laughs> in. A little alcove that Just they've all hidden hiding in. Hiding the shit. And here's out of what there. they have to say: <laughs> somebody saw a wire over yes. there. Yes. And obviously, th she. This isn't even comical because obviously they have very real reason to be afraid. Right. Because as later, there are like six bombs over there. Yeah. But then, but then but here but comes Jeremy the, Renner in his weird, like yeah, fucking staple marshmallow man suit. Exactly. He right. puts on his Play-Doh suit. Right. And like he literally and Joanna, when we were watching with Joanna, and she was like, "How's that going to protect him?" And I was like, "It's it protects you from shrapnel." But right. like. Yeah, it is it's sort not, of a comical suit. Yeah. Obviously, you can't predict you from like and a you, bomb going off. You see, off. like Guy Pierce is wearing it, and then his whole fucking visor is bloody. Yeah, yeah. He gets hit. And you he know? was already fifteen yeah. feet away at that point. It still right. didn't save him. Um, but like, just I think she, this is what I love about her in this movie: just tapping into that image of these men cowering in fear. These yeah. like 
paragons of masculine power right. cowering in fear because somebody saw a red wire. Right. And Renner's like, okay. And they're they're right. not even ashamed. Right. That's one of the things that I think is no, so they're interesting. Not. Right, yeah, they're yeah. not even ashamed. They're, they're like, like, go yeah, check it out. Yeah, yeah we're fucking afraid. That's your job. Like, EOD. Yeah. EOD. Yeah. And, and so now Renner is in Renner's, his like inflatable sumo Halloween costume doing his cowboy walk over to the wire. Well, because also they're like, do you want to get the robot? And he's like, no, go check it out. And they're freaking the fuck out. They're yelling into the walkie-talkies and there's so much noise. He tosses a smoke grenade behind him and they're like, why'd you do that? He's like, for cover. Yeah. Which and is it like, all makes perfect sense. <laughs> sure, right. Everything he does makes perfect it does, sense. It does. It's but just they alarming are freaking, everyone. Everyone around him is terrified. Now, right. And we've, he's we've seen Guy Pierce at the beginning who was like he's more cool, of a by the book sure, sure, sure. Didn't seem scared, but also was like making jokes about it. And Renner's just like, oh no, I'm good. Renner's actually which, not which scared. Which scares right. them. Because right. it's which like there's them, nothing there performative. Be, like, right. There is there is intelligence in being afraid of things that are frightening. And he's right. spending no energy trying to calm them down, right. trying to and reassure also, anyone of this anything. This squad isn't going to be into someone who's not afraid of dying because right. they don't want to die. Right, they want to keep living. <laughs> right. Uh, and so, right, and someone who's Sanborn not afraid of dying puts mad, them at risk. Right? Sanderson. Sanborn, that, Sanderson. San, no, it's Sanborn. It's oh, it Sanborn. is. I wrote it down uh, wrong. That, okay. the, I think it's the second, no, it's the second uh, bomb disposal where Sanborn hits him in the face. It hits, hits him straight in the face. Uh, Beautiful scene. And James yeah. is just like, hmm. That's uh, the one at the UN building. Right. The, the first one, one yeah. is the one where he finds the bomb, he diffuses it, and he's like, okay, I think this is good. And yeah. then he like lifts it up, and it's that image from the poster where it's like Which six is unbelievable. bombs. Yeah. Yeah. And she just, like, in a movie that's so, with such muscular editing. Yeah. In muscular. Every yeah. This is one of the times where she holds the longest on a single shot, I feel right. like. As he really, like, and wrestles for this wire, and then as you so see good. them all come uncovered from the dirt, it's fucking unbelievable. So good in his uh, Stay puffed suit. Yeah you know, behind his visor, communicating not with a big reaction, but with a small reaction of like, huh? Yeah. 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 That's a lot of bombs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, pulls and then being a like, gun right. from his stay puffed. Suit. That's yeah. such a and great, does that. That's yeah. so crazy. It's crazy that he has a gun even. And yeah. he does. That's the all whole he thing. really has. Yeah. It's incredible. Uh, so that's the first set piece. And they don't love that. Right? Yeah. His no, squad like, doesn't love that. Okay, what the fuck's going on with this guy? And then the second set piece, like you say, is the, the one where there's UN. a car outside yeah. the UN building. Oh, and the people are watching them. Every, there's and tons the of people watching them in 360. Them. Mm-hmm. There's some people filming them. And they are so and this scared. Is when, this is when he takes the suit off. When he That's goes, when he takes the suit off. There's enough stuff in here to, yeah. to blow us. And he takes to, his headphones off, right. too. He throws them out. Right. He goes, no, yeah. give somebody, me my kit and my cans, is what he asked for. Got my tools? Got my tools? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, he that someone has shot this car, tried to blow it up lit it on fire he extinguishes the fire yes and after all that he's like so let's see what's going on yeah yeah, yeah. lifts up the trunk there's like four million bombs uh and then he it becomes like it's like solving a little puzzle box he's like where could it and he yeah, doesn't in the he, seat not and, in the seat it's like a children's book yeah right <laughs> you're and, lifting up the flaps it's like a thick cardboard is it book. in the glove compartment right, not right. in the glove compartment yeah right this is when he saves the thing he saves the yeah uh, saves the little switch yeah, the yeah, dead man switch. switch yeah uh, because he's impressed with the he's artistry impressed. of this right. bomb the technique. Yeah. Uh, there's this thing I always ran about especially if you get two drinks in me which is like why do most movies pick the same fucking five jobs for its characters to have uh-huh. and jobs that are not very interesting to watch right. on screen when watching anyone be good at their job is inherently fascinating, mm-hmm. especially if it's a job you haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. And like watching him deal with the bombs in this movie, even if you don't understand what he's doing at every moment, this is clearly an actor who fucking prepared well for the role. Right. And they like, did their research. Is the owning yeah. it, right? Is yeah, in yeah. Tom Hanks' pocket of just like exuding a level of control over his role in the film, but also just watching him try to figure it out. That process is fucking enthralling mm-hmm. like aside from the tension there 
there's additional tension from the juxtaposition of understanding the stakes of it, cutting to like Mackie and Garrity and all the other soldiers who are like, what the fuck is going on? And Renner just being like, it's not as much about whether I live or die as if I can like prove that I know what I'm doing right. by figuring out what the fuck is going on He doesn't on want here. to be outsmarted. And, and of then course, such a good false alarm with the windshield wipers. Yeah, that's great. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, he's not to spoil or we're well, not spoiling, but not to jump ahead. We don't have to talk about it right now. But the only time he's really outsmarted is just because of iron bars. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, it's yeah. not nothing intricate. It's he's just, not he can't get through he's it out right. He doesn't yeah. have the tools. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, so there's those two scenes and then I feel like interweaving is, are these scenes with him hanging out with Beckham yeah. on the right. base? Yeah. Right. Beckham And it is DVDs. genuinely surprising. Played by Christopher Sayek. It's genuinely surprising that he can make an emotional connection with this kid because he sort of failed to make an emotional connection at this point with his unit mates. Like, sure. Like, I thought right. that was... And then, you know, you do but find he out seems, he has a son. He has like, a son, oh, What right. does this mean? But he does seem to struggle with military chains of command much more than right. he... You know, like, he's cool just talking to this kid. Yeah, but I think the key to it is that this kid is so guileless. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. he likes that the kid is just, uh, yeah, it's well, just, he likes uh, how uh, got what a couple a, balls on him. Yeah, but the kids, yeah, the right, kid's yeah. a good operator. Right, that's the point. I love the that kid. He's like, like great movies, the best using, movies. He's yeah, using yeah. hip hop slang. He's right. using the n word. Yeah, I mean, that's his opening line. That's his opening line. Like, that's like the third wow. word he says in this film. And yeah. then like Jeremy Brown's like, this DVD was bullshit. It was like fucking. He's like, he's like, no, it's great. No, and he's like, no, it was bad. And he's like, what? Okay, you know, what are you I, gonna do? but yeah. I think that's what Renner takes to is like this kid is the Jeremy Renner of selling bootleg DVDs. Yeah, sure, right. Right. you know, right. like he's yeah. as obsessive yep. and determined and focused he and kind of likes something. the sport of it, yeah. right? Whereas like these other guys, like he doesn't fucking get what Anthony Mackie's about, yeah. you know? Yeah. All right. So after that. I'm just, we're starting it, to get more it's a very episodic I mean, yes, movie, right? But, the, but Garrity has this conversation with Cambridge where he's just sure, like, I sure. don't, I don't like this there. guy. Yeah, he's yeah, going to yeah. get us killed. Right. Cambridge but he's is like, also Calm talking down. about his anxieties. Right. right. And he's like, I know what I'm seeing. Like, I know what I'm seeing. This guy's fucking reckless. He doesn't care about anyone. He's doing this for sport. That's a dangerous type of guy to have leading a mission. And then we have the Ray Fine scene. Right. Well, right. So and Max already punched him scene. in the face at this point. Yeah. Right? yeah, right? yeah. yeah. The UN thing because he takes his cans off. Yeah. Um, right. And then in the right, there's a scene where they're blowing up some explosion explosives oh, out he goes in, to out get the his desert. Gloves. Oh and my he's like, god. Oh, I need to get my gloves. Like, oh, with, god, so like this, the absolute yeah. fearlessness of this guy, yeah. right. and sort of almost sociopathy, where he cannot pick up on like how ridiculous a decision that is. And Mackie yes. and Garrity have this conversation. And Mackie right. is, seems to be sort of like 60% considering it. Garrity's yeah. more like 25% on right. board. You know what right. I mean? Right. And it's Where not Mackie's like, but it's like, I if we don't kill this up. guy, he might get us killed. Right. right. There's this sort of like slight, like very pragmatic philosophical discussion of like, look, we could blow him up. These things go off all the time. It wouldn't be that crazy. And wouldn't You'd it be have a to lesson? Write it up. Wouldn't it be a lesson in not breaking protocol like right. this? You would have to write my report. But of it's course. also right, right, but it's also one of those things where it's like, we're just having a conversation, right? And Mackie never says no. Yeah. But he also never says, like, no, I want to do this. He never has the moment where he, the detonator. Right. Yeah, the he's just time. kind of like And there's yeah, no moment where he breaks out and goes like, ha, I was just kidding, man. Yeah. Yeah. And then so instead it's just sort of like 
Uh, and then okay, Rebecca gets nothing the gloves happens. and just waves them around right. like a and fucking doofus. And I love that you just cut right to them in their Humvee. Like yeah. it's not yeah, like yeah, he yeah. then comes back and they sort of put the dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, they and, this movie doesn't have a lot of shoe leather. And that's when they run into the the men who are dressed in like Arab garb. But uh, immediately we realize and these are contracts. That's movie and star. And side, yeah. this is my favorite scene of the movie. It's a great scene. I, I, for yeah, yeah, this this, this, this entire great. this set piece, I suppose, this entire thing, the way it plays out. She also does a thing here that you can only do with a movie star, like that where you have a guy whose face is bandaged and, and the you second know, you know right. I knew it as soon as I his saw his eyes, eyes. His eyes. I now, was like oh it's right for anyone who doesn't they have am- collaborated before to be clear S- Strange yeah, yeah. Das she's the star of Strange Days yep. yeah, I'm sorry Strange Das thank you um and uh we I did a whole fine sidebar on our Strange Das episode about about yeah. him I think being one of the best screen actors ever mm-hmm. the thing I forgot to mention in that when we were talking about how I think when he made this transition and this movie is sort of right when that transition is happening or it's it's, it's been in progress for a little bit <sighs> from being like super handsome conventional your mom loves him Tony sort of prestige leading man yeah, yeah, yeah. to being a weird character actor yeah Voldemort's the one I forgot to talk about which I think his Voldemort's very underrated uh, I think his Voldemort's good. He's been Voldemort for a while at this point when this is happening. Sure. He's, he's the first Voldemort in 05 in Goblet. Which is the fourth movie. Fourth like, they've movie. talked about this guy a lot. And then he like, has a lot more to do in, in he's got Phoenix, the end of which four. is 07. Mm-hmm. And then Half-Blood really Brink comes out this good year. In those movies. Like, he actually... I think he's good. I think, I think Voldemort really is a really dull villain. That's sort of always been my... If I love Harry Potter. Yeah. I've always found Voldemort to be... Not the most interesting thing about Harry Potter. Do you agree with me, Sonia? I don't know. I mean, you seem to be nodding. I, I think that Fines makes Voldemort more interesting. See, I, I agree. I, I, agree. I, I think found he's him very dull quite in the books. Good. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. And I think you look at four seconds of fucking Johnny Depp playing Grindelwald and compare it to like oh boy. five movies of Voldemort and how yeah, like but how about those two hours of Colin Farrell but, playing Grindelwald? Yeah, it's good. Me. Yeah. Yeah, slice it off. But that's like, bread. you look at, at Fiennes and it's like, he's putting the exact right amount of paprika on the sandwich. And your task is be the most evil person who's ever existed. No, I know. Yeah. And you're, and of course, yes, again, on the page, Voldemort's character, it's like, what's, what is he? He's right. He he's is evil. a creature of pure he's evil. Just evil. Oh, okay. But you yeah. don't want to do too much. You don't want to do too little. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to let the like visual effects of the look do too much like baggage for you. But this is like, yeah, he's at this point now where his leading man image is being distorted because now, by and large, he's Voldemort. Like, to a generation of filmgoers, he's Voldemort. He's that noseless fuck. And, I mean, what I like about Voldemort, not to go on too much of a Harry Potter thing, is yeah. more, it's not, it's never really about him. It's about the people who are drawn to him, right? right. Like, it's like, and that's not to, uh, I just think that everything in all pop culture can be related through Harry Potter and it's very reflective it's, of, uh, yeah. I agree. And oh, it's really yeah. fucking irritating to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. Our next main series is Voldemort, by the way. We're not <laughs> picking a director or we're not do, picking Harry Potter. If we're you just guys do Voldemort. the Harry Potter movies, it would be very funny, actually. I think that we might have some fun with the Harry Potter movies, but they're, you know, they're not great movies. Yeah. No, but I think it, one it of them is a franchise. really excellent movie. We did. Is have- it, is it, is it the third one? Is it Prisoner of, of Azkaban? No, but that, I, that one's pick. really that, good, too. To me, that one that's, is good. The, that's the pinnacle. I think the last one's You're really, going to say really Half-Blood strong. Prince. Half-Blood yeah, Prince yeah, yeah. is that's my... A, I think that really is a stupendous too. movie. That's a great movie. Uh, and Seven Part One is a great seven movie. Is, seven Part One is a very interesting movie. <laughs> I, th- I think it's, like, actually... Well, I think okay. it's pretty good. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I like all the Yates movies, which are five through seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
we never said this on the podcast before, and it wasn't like a very long conversation, but when we were ramping down our Star Wars days. Ramping down. And we're trying to decide what to do next. We did consider doing Harry Potter. Like, Ben was like, what if we did Star Trek? What if we did Harry Potter? Like, there was that thought before we went to a director mode of like, are there other franchises we could do this deep dive into? Mm-hmm. And then we decided that was not the thing to right. do. Right, but yeah, no, I guess we, we floated There was like a moment where we thought, like, what if we did, yeah, that would Quaron be cool would be a very easy very, choice for us. Yeah. I think it'd be I really think, interesting. I think that yeah. would be great, and it's sort of weird that we haven't talked about him more. Because yeah. he's a classic blank check director. He, yeah. That's what Especially I'm saying. Especially now. Yeah. Yes. Where he's just like, no, I'm going to buy my time. I think that's the biggest reason we haven't done him yet, is that Gravity is going to be his blank check movie. Like, we need to wait to see what that is. He shot something that hasn't... Yeah, Roma, uh, which I don't... A small, like, characters. It's like a family drama, I believe. It's set in Mexico, and uh, we don't know much about it because it has not yet. He shot it a while ago, though, and it's still... No one knows anything about it. Um, Now I'm looking this up. Yeah, but we don't know much about it. I think Quaron would be good, though. I mean, I think like, be good. You know, for sure, because also because he hasn't made that many movies. But you want to see what he does after Gravity, because dude's got that fucking check. Yeah, but I also think it's amazing that he got to make Gravity after Children of Men. I think that's like a really interesting yeah. because Children of Men Lost was not a, a success, lot of money. but because it was so critically acclaimed and got all the surprise Oscar mm-hmm. nominations, yeah. they were like, okay, all right, you know, fine, yeah. fine. And obviously, and also stars wanted to work with him. Right. But yeah, it's like. What is his breakout movie? Uh, a little princess, uh, but like, is that a, a breakout, breakout movie? Right, because that was his just like a solid. Is, like, honestly, his real breakout is, is Ichimama Ichimama Tamiya. Tamiya. Yeah, Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, that's right. You're right. But it is but funny it is interesting. that he makes this small independent Mexican film. Then he right. makes a little princess and Great Expectations. No, no, no but he, right. I think he made a little princess first. Yeah, he no, made, but he no, but uh, it's solo called Solo Tanku Parejo. Oh, that's what you mean. Okay, yes, go on. And then. A little Princess Great Expectations, then Itumama Tembian, then Harry Potter, Children of Men, Gravity. Right. Like yeah. it's, it's it's an interesting, it's very contained arc. run. Yeah. It is. His collaborator, was Chino? it his son? Oh, jo- Jonas Quaron, yeah, who right. just directed Made the film. That movie Desierto that I, uh, Desierto yeah. last year, that is basically. Gravity uh, in the Desert? No, it's a straight up <laughs> horror movie about like, what if a crazy American guy just tried to shoot. Uh, Mexican immigrants trying to come over the border with a gun. Really? Oh my god! And uh, I don't think it's a good movie yeah. per se. It was an interesting idea, but it's very, very blunt and direct. And it's just De- Jeffrey Dean Morgan plays the crazy American guy, which is the very on the nose casting. And it's Gail Garcia Bernal. Gail Garcia Bernal is the the main immigrant trying to make it over the border. There are others too. Um, but that movie is brutal. So the Hurt Locker. Uh, at this point. Have we gotten to the drinking scene yet, or that happens after? That well, happens. no. Well, so first, I want to talk about this scene for a second. Ray Fines. Ray Fines. I want to talk about this for a second. This, this yeah. effect of if you don't recognize Ray Fines by his eyes, the second he pulls off the scarf, everyone in the audience goes, "Oh, familiar face." Right. She pulled a fast one on us. Right. Like it's immediately diffused because and also, it's a right, movie the idea star. is they're right. like, "Who are you guys? Who are you guys? You don't look like soldiers. Right. Who are you guys?" And they pull it off, and he's like. You fucking American. And, you and he like, says, oh, like, you guys are really wound up tight. Yeah, or something yeah, like yeah, that. You yeah. really feel comfortable with this guy. But I right. love the fact that he's so cooperative that well, he goes he along with it. He seems like, he seems like Renner-ish yes. in that he's unflapped, unflappable-ish. Right. Seems like a bit of a cad. He's a little, right, right. Yeah. And they're they're bounty hunting, mm-hmm. essentially, Right. Um, uh, with their with their oh, fucking the plane, they're contractors. They've right. got the yeah. deck of cards, which cards. is a real thing. Yeah. which is which is yeah. obscene. <laughs> but strange. anyway, that's fine. Uh, I remember, do you remember when they were like selling those in New York? That was like a big thing. That like 
yeah. lot of like you could like buy them on the internet. Right, it was like they fucking were like, crazy. But like people had them on the street in New York a lot. I remember they were like a hot fucking item. What a weird time. It was it was not good. This no. is the Blackwater, right? Essentially. Yes. Essentially. Yes. That's what yes. these people they're British, they're so British. it's a little it's yeah. they're whatever, you know, but yes. So and all of course lots of different companies were crawling start, around uh, the Middle East, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they start being like, You guys are wound up tight, we're the cool people who get it. <laughs> yeah. And then they get massacred. Right. They're like and the senior to Renner's right. freshmen. Right. And well, they get massacred by no one in particular, just yeah. some some guys well, probably who are in snipers a little... who are trying to free their captives. Yeah. No, yeah, right. But okay. it's not like these are villains like right, that we right. have any sense they're of. Not they're, just no, they're, they're just people. You know, right. yeah. They're not in the deck of cards. And then you have this drawn out, incredibly thought through sniper scene. That's incredible. Uh that part of it is that they uh um just have to wait. Like it's a, a lot of very waiting. long time. And yeah. Renner, I think, I mean, sorry, James steps up and is the the captain in a way, or or the leader in a way that he hasn't been before. Yeah. He does. He deals with that all he, like totally professionally. He right. coaches them and brings the best combatness he, out of them. He, right. He does it all right, which is right. Yeah. He's just yeah. he's still you know because he's playing right. the spotter role for the sniper. Right. He doesn't move, which is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, and he takes, he takes bedside manner. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Takes and Garrity's like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, you just got to make a decision. He, it's going to be okay. Right. You he know, coaxes like, him through it. He gets him to like take control of the situation and handle control. it. And Owen gets to the point where he, Owen gets to the point where he does save them. Right. Yes, he is yes. able to do the thing that he was afraid he wasn't going right. to be able the, to the, do. The sort of ambiguous situation of like right. someone's approaching. I think they have a gun. Like, what do I do? Yeah. But, but there've already been a couple moments in the film where he's like yelling at Garrity, where he's like, God damn it. Where's my fucking thing right, come right. faster come right. on be on right. the ball right. and then this moment when he's like I need ammo I need ammo we're right, out of right, ammo right. get me ammo right. so they look at the, I can't find ammo anywhere then the ammo has the dead blood bodies. on it okay it's stuck Cleaned it off. I don't know how to clean it off. Here's and how you do it. You Spit and rub. rub. Right, you expect that Renner's going to now really burst and just start yelling he at him. Doesn't. Instead, he just calms down. Yeah. He's like, he here, here's how we do this. Level. Right. He's yeah. like, you're good. You're well, a good soldier. Like, you're doing a great job. You should feel really proud of yourself. And it, Right. Yeah, he's so like a soccer coach. He's the perfect person. But the kid who's about to start crying. All of a sudden, yeah. right. And I, it really highlighted for me how fucking dumb the things that war requires are. Yes. Like that you yes. have to clean the blood yeah. off of sniper with bullets saliva. with your saliva. Yeah. That is your duty now, soldier. Yeah. That is what you are being. In the desert. How you, you know, will be You're a little dehydrated right, right, right now. Next to a dead Ray <laughs> Fiennes. Right. And yeah, exactly. Fucking, yeah. Arguably the greatest actor of the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> dead in the sand. Dead, dead in the sand. Uh, Two Academy Award got, nominations. They don't count for anything. And all you've got is Capri Sun, yeah. right? Yep. Like that's what they're oh, drinking. God, can I talk about this for a second? Please. Maybe my single favorite Them moment in the movie. With the straws. But it's like here's Jeremy Renner. His job is professionally disarming explosive devices. And even he can't puncture <laughs> yes. a Capri Sun without it squirting out the yes. top. Right. Yep. Like yep. I like this little argument the movie's making, which is like it is actually impossible. Okay, that's the real <laughs> argument of this movie. That's the whole the bomb diffuser is just like a that's a diversion it's for the, the real point. It's the most political part of this film. <laughs> that's true. That's is Catherine Bigelow just says Divisive. like I want to make it clear Polarizing. in case you've ever felt bad about getting Capri Sun all over your hands right. that literally no one can do it. Right. right. Impossible. He's trying and he gets the straw in and it squirts to out the me, top. The odd thing to me is that it showed, to me, the institutional um, dis, uh, disinterest in these people's actual yeah, lives. The Capri Sun Company as an industry. There's many times no, 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 in this movie also, where something breaks or doesn't yes. work and it's like, what happened? It's the U.S. Army. The uh, US, what are you right. going to do? And yeah. it's like, 
what's 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 the something they need right now? They need sustenance. They need electrolytes. They need right. juice. Here's the shittiest possible way to open a juice. Right. You are going to be stressed the fuck out, if, and if your hands company, are going to be shaking. If, if Capri Incorporated actually cared about people, yeah, they would put a little less juice yeah. in the pouch so that you could puncture it and get air. Yeah. Before you have to squeeze. It's interesting they don't just turn it around and do it at the bottom like we did in school. I never fucking did that. Are you kidding me? Are you crazy? You've never thought about that? No. Did you do that? I didn't drink Capri Sun that much. Oh, oh fucking oh, for, great. Okay. Jesus what Christ. What, <laughs> what were you drinking? Uh, uh, fucking. Ribena. Uh, what? Ribena. Drinking your Lucasade? Yeah, why don't you eat some more of your <laughs> English candy while you're at it? Yeah, Lucasade yeah. is this fucking this English candy. This is an American <laughs> fucking podcast, David. Some of this candy. Some Cadbury's, David. I just, okay, wait. For the listener at home, Griffin. I just threw four Cadbury's Griffin. at David. You've never taken a Capri Sun pouch. <laughs> I know what you're describing. it upside never, down the and stuck that I in never through. thought of doing that. What are you fucking kidding me? I'm not. Guess what I'm going to do when this fucking podcast ends? Go buy a 12-pack of Capri Sun. How do you Get home practice. Yeah, you you got to. The reason I like this scene mm. is because I think I think it would be much easier to dismiss Will James yes. if he was not the guy who he is in this scene. Like the Menchie movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get yeah, me the juice. Right. Get me the juice. And the right. Becker it immediately. It to Mackie. Without hesitation. For, right. Sip without, it. Sip it. Like right. very firm. It's like but, so but loving gentle, in a way. Simultaneously right. like. You need to take care right. of yourself. And that's actually a very, to, I mean, to go back to the gender dynamics of it, there's sort of a maternal element mm-hmm. there, right? And that's so interesting, like, to think about how these men get masculine together and, like, one of the things they have to do is care for each other right. in these but, very And especially for a guy times. who's this unflappable and doesn't need anyone to hand him a packet of juice. He's totally aware of The fact that he's aware that he's needs. the weird one and yeah. everyone else needs to be, like— you know, Garrett but, needs to be talked to gently. But Mackie sometime, needs to right, take just care to move us off, yeah. yes, yep, yep, because yep, sometime yep. right around this is the scene where they are essentially wrestling and yes, drinking, so right and punching each other. I think it's right after. High on there, they're hyped yeah. up. Yeah. It was an insane day they had. And that's they got hyphy, and they're smashing each other. Uh, <laughs> Shout with, out to the Walmart. Yeah, they, they got hyphy. Um, and uh, they, I think that scene is so good. And that that's the moment um, where Sophie said to me. This is the most masculine movie I've ever seen. So tell me right. why you think it's so good. Um, because I just think that a lot of filmmakers, and I'm not even saying this is a gender thing where she has some magical insight into men because she's a woman. I think she has magical insight into men, to be clear, and it definitely helps that she's a woman. But she's also just a really good director. I think she also understands behavior really well, and she's really fascinated in mo- the difference in behavior between yes. masculine people and feminine Sure, people. sure, sure. Right. But I'm saying most people would make this scene frightening, and she yes. doesn't make this scene frightening. Like that doesn't mean that she thinks this scene is like a harmless expression of uh, their excess energy. Right. Sure. But most people would be like, this is a dark, frightening thing being that's being exposed. She sort of shows it to be like roughhousing. It is like like a playground. Yeah. 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 So that's that's my whole even when it gets intense. James's response is just like. <sighs> you know, yeah. like, you know, yeah. yeah. My whole reading this scene is I was never a physical child. I no. hated playing sports, but also whenever boys want to roughhouse, I did you not grow up in a ball. Fucking anything to do with that. I would hang out with girls on the playground and we'd talk about fucking whatever. Like I would spend time getting into girls' pop culture so I'd have subjects to talk about <laughs> with them. I like would watch all the girls' cartoon shows because I'd be like, they're over there wrestling each other. Mm-hmm. Like what starts out as gentle play will very quickly turn to a physical fight. They're having fun. I will not have fun doing that. Mm-hmm. 
But there is that sort of rush that young boys have, and it even goes on to, like, frat boys in certain quarters of just, like, fucking headlocking guys and sparring and whatever. If you're not trying to hurt each other, that adrenaline rush of that kind of thing. And Jeremy Renner is a guy who never grew out of that. And now he's like, that was his, like, fucking gateway drug, and now he's onto the harder shit, which sure. is disarming bombs. It's the right. same level of, like, that threat of danger that I can prevent. But they all do it. Like, sure. I think it's not just Renner. I, and I think army. that— uh, it's almost like the military. The is the grown up version. The of that. point you need to be right. right. A the lot of people are in the military at. for reasons right. other than just they want a rough house. Sure, no, no, no. Sure. but it brings that out of yeah, you. Yeah, I agree. Right. I agree. Yeah. But I, th- I think that either needs to be activated within you, or you're someone who seeks out that kind right. of thrill. Right. It is a heightened version of what makes five year olds, without any sort of deliberate, you know, yeah. intentionality, just start grappling with each other. Yeah. I never had that. Which, thing. by the way, I, I think would... women do too. Girls do too. Yeah, I think it's a different thing. Yeah. But I, I think there's a very straight line between this kind of roughhousing and and becoming a soldier. Yeah, 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 totally. Yes. And the fact that she identifies that, and I wonder if this, how much this was in the script and stuff, because it's a kind of wordless scene. But like the fact that she identifies that as being so crucial to this narrative is, sure. is amazing. This scene is also very well directed, even yes. if that was a hundred percent in the script described well as liked. such. The, the energy of the scene, the tone of the scene, how it's depicted, the fact that it never does get scary, even when there's, like, the knife out and everything. It's a tiny scary. Yeah, it's a right. little scary and that it's fine. She's, right. yeah. she's walking a very fine line yeah. in this, and the scene is always, like, perfectly judged. Why does—tell me something. Why does Sanborn get to punch— Renner, or James, rather. He owes him one. I don't know. But I couldn't figure out what he owed him for. Oh. No, Renner got a uh, shot on him. They do say something. It's when they're punching back and forth. And he draws, Owen draws the big X with the thing. I just thought that was interesting. Um, But then after this scene is what I think we already decided. They talk about the wife at this scene. They find. Yes, they do. Right, right, right. right. And is that the scene where he shows them his weird box of uh, trophies? They find it. He's feeling close to them. What the fuck is this? They all talk about each other. And the only time James gets pissed off is when they say shit about his wife. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 she's just loyal. She's, she's not just stupid. loyal. You know, and he's yeah. kind of like, hands, and it's not even that charge, but he's like, yeah. don't go there. That's not, you know. Yeah, yeah. But he also weirdly, I mean, he's very defensive of her, but doesn't seem to like her very much. Exactly. It's like he just he just knows that he's not one to judge. He makes right, that, you know? like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that fucking Henny Youngman joke about, like, like I said, things that almost killed me about the wedding ring. Right, right, right. But right, the right. bigger point he makes is, like, you have a wife, and he's like, kind of. I mean, we got divorced, but then she didn't move out. We're still together. I don't know what you call that. Right. Yeah. I got a kid, and, and everyone's like, like he's, she's stupid because you suck so but then we come to the difficult third quarter of the movie yeah uh because then we have the scene in the warehouse where they find a boy whose body has a bomb implanted He's a body, in it. body bomb uh, and james is insisting this is becca obviously yeah. we don't really get much of a look at the boy so we're and sort his of face in the all bloodied yeah. it's i mean well and in yeah. right and that is and actually a young boy it's a young boy we only really see of the children we see on the street they're all boys the yeah. the girl children are not really out and there's a lot of boys and they're running they run around the cars they're selling dvds things like sure. that you see a lot of them um it's very interesting to me that um, both Sanborn and uh, Owen are like, is it that kid? They're like, I, I don't even yeah, know how they, he tells them And apart. then, of course, we do see Beth later. Yes, yeah. but but so much later right, right, that right, you right, go right. through this whole really fucking awful scene. Yes. Thinking right. that it might be this guy, okay. um, this right. kid. Where the, where, and where the point of the scene is even James seems to have reached his limits where he's just right. like, let's just blow this up. Right. I also think this is the most political section of the movie because yes. I think this functions like a microcosm for what she's saying about. I mean, what bowl is it? Right. About these wars, which is just like, there was this weird sense of like revenge we felt, a sense of like, 
yeah. injustice that needed to be corrected. And he goes on this whole fucking fool's errand, doesn't even know really what he's looking for or if he's what he's looking for even exists. He's trying to find the guy responsible for a crime that didn't actually happen to the person he thinks it did. And it's almost like this, like this. It, it, I mean, I think it is analogous to like searching for weapons of mass destruction Mm. entering these homes that he mm. wasn't invited into, you mm-hmm. know, feeling that he's doing the right thing. And then that weird scene of him with the doctor where the doctor's saying, like, you're a guest, sit down, and he can't figure out, like, <sighs> why aren't you being antagonistic to me? Right. And then the, yeah. the woman, the wife comes out and is like, get the fuck right. out of here. It's amazing. Right. right. Yeah, I, it's I, amazing. I, I think this is her section of saying, like, the whole relationship. His section, but carry on. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think it's kind of an interesting spot because it does function as character building. It is the moment where he's like, what the fuck am I doing now? I used to always at least be right yeah like even if i was crazy i was correct right and now he goes on this weird like jason Bourne side mission where he's like wearing a fucking hoodie and he's got a gun and he's holding up drivers and whatever but he has no idea what the fuck he's talking about yeah and it feels it feels like like and how much harm he creates right like how much how much uh uh distrust he sows like the fact that he makes that poor dvd seller like feel so fucking yeah terrified right right where he and, like, essentially goes into these people makes that man never have to never come, come back. back you know right, he's ruining right. his he's, livelihood he's ruined I mean, this as, guy's livelihood as tough a livelihood as he is right you know, well, yeah. but like in, in the this completely East. ravaged yeah. place right. this is the one thing this guy's got right. so like he's ruining that guy's life he's going into someone else's home let me as a country yeah. Yeah. no 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 yeah. I mean so right. I had not thought about it this is the very right and then of course right after that is the scene where they go on this like quote unquote mission right which is very like dark yeah you know just the three of them and this is where anytime you read an interview with a soldier they're like this is all ludicrous no one no one would ever do this soldiers do not like this movie no they do not like this they do not like this stuff a lot of soldiers do like a lot of this movie like in terms of getting the the general vibe exactly they say that the missions don't play out in a way that technically makes any sense like them not talking over the radios and things like that things I think she deliberately chooses as storytelling measures of like I don't want a bunch of scenes of people fucking miles away from each other talking over comms sure right so she keeps well, them close also, and everything. He is a little bit of an anomaly in in sure. many ways. Right. Um, yeah. But it is of I course don't know. this scene, especially it's the scene where they go yeah. and split up, yeah. which is even within their stupid decision, another dumb decision. Right. right. Which I, is what yes. gets um Eldridge, uh, Derek Garrity shot in the leg. I, I went down a rabbit okay, so hole last night. So here's my question. Yeah. Does it work? Does the movie work yeah. if you take out this? Well, I don't know how they resolve Beckham, but does this movie work if you take out the body bag scene? I would argue that the Inferno scene, the like very obvious yeah. war is hell scene, yeah. that is then followed with that side mission, mm-hmm. yeah. that alone could tell the story of his adrenaline fix without I, needing. Yeah, I just I think both of these things are on the nose. It's not my favorite part of the movie. I think the movie would work without it. I don't think it takes anything away from the film. Mm-hmm. Those are my three feelings on it. No, no, no. no like, it's, I, I just think, I it's, think it's all interesting shading within it. I, I like her sort of making this more allegorical point about the sort of like, I, I don't know, this feels right in the moment kind right. of right. like oorah mentality. Well, and it yeah. really, it makes the disorientation very visceral. Yes. That like he literally doesn't know he thinks he likes this kid and he literally doesn't can't even recognize this kid. I think it's worth it for that moment. Yeah. I think the moment when Beckham comes up to him with the DVDs and, and he's, he's so, so fucking shaken. Right. I think right. that's such a good fucking payoff. It great, yeah. I mean, it, it asks you to like engage in a 15 minute red herring for that payoff. Yeah. And the larger point when the rest of the movie is so like 
just constructed of these very— But then how interesting that the red herring is so detailed. I mean, I think that's yeah. part of it. Like, it's not just that it's, like, a kid that he sees dead or a kid that he sees bloodied and he immediately thinks it's that kid. It's like he sees this kid dead. He eviscerates this kid in order to get explosives right, out of him. He originally yeah. says, let's just bomb the entire place. Right. And goes like, no, and fuck it, call it off. do it. Right. So he, we see him cutting, like— Fuck, it's not even surgical. Yeah, it's not even it's sutures. It's like wire yes. that has been used to like put this person together. Um, a thing that does not happen. Like right. we know this does not happen A in tough real scene life. to watch at a bagel right. shop. I kept a on covering up the screen because people. A tough scene to watch, a scene yeah. that doesn't really exist. So these are, that's such a big swing to take for that one payoff. And I'm not saying it doesn't work, but I'm sure. saying it's, it's, it, it is, it's something. I agree with that. Here, yeah. The other thing I'll say in defense of this sequence is. It's the one time in the movie we see him totally out of his depth and his element. He knows how to do one thing particularly well, right? which is this sort of disarmament of right. the explosives. And when it's him doing person to person. Right. When so, it literally becomes a person, when the machine that has no, right. he, that has no face he, suddenly right. becomes a thing with a face. Right. Sure. Right. That sure. fucks yeah, him sure. up. Like yeah. he only knows how to deal with like wires and bolts. And, but I don't, but it's weird because the movie has not really been about metaphor until that point. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I, right, me, it's a little on the nose. Yeah, made me think of Bo Bergdahl a little bit too, mm -hmm. the vigilante sure. kind who of Mark Bull like, eventually tried to write a movie about. Right. And I can't believe you would bring up this podcast major rival serial. I know season two. It's true. We are on the same out. level. Yeah. It's the same kind of podcast. Same cultural impact. Same yeah. money made. By the way, our new spinoff podcast, Pville, which stands for Poopville, that launches next week. It's one story told over. 27 parts, Pville. Check it out. I, you just killed everything. <laughs> just dead. Brought to you by MailCamp. Pville. Oh, uh, God. Remember the, the good old days of cereal? No, I didn't mean to cut you off. It was a simpler time. Sorry. It was a simpler time. That was the first podcast. We had no idea what this first would one. turn into. So after all this stuff, none of which I love, but is all of it's okay. And then we already talked about what I think is the best scene out of all this, which is the burst pipe scene, as you put it, the Anthony Mackie being realizing like, yeah. I can't handle this anymore. But that comes yeah. after the human, uh, the sort of suicide bomber guy with the with the right. locks. Oh, he's right. That's the scene we should right, talk right. about. Well, right. and to to quickly say this about that scene, him going into the shower is really intense. Ooh, yes, too. I yes. think, and and I think that there is a moment of self reflection there that there wasn't. Um, right. necessarily even though he gets over it really fast and kind of has this game face on yeah. when Owen goes in the chopper and fucking yells at him which again yeah, is a scene says, I really fuck like you, you did this to me yeah fuck right. you you did this to and me like, James is like you're still alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go home. Things are fine. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's is, like right. I'm not just a pawn for you to get your thrills. Right, he says right, whatever that line right. is, which I think is a really concise. It's like it, it, I'm it, done being your summary. Fucking, right. It's the summary of the takeaway of the movie. Right, <laughs> like, uh, right, right. Anyway, right. like I, I'm not what you bet in order to try to win at the right. poker table. And then I would say that from this point on, the movie is brilliant. Like back to being like the, the, the last suit, 20 minutes are not the innocent yeah. suicide bomber scene is is so wrenching. It's it's completely wrenching. I'd forgotten when you said, you know, talking about forgetting the, the end of this movie, the body bomb stuff I had completely forgotten. I forgot about Beckham as a character, but that scene always stuck in my mind yeah. very, very viscerally of that feeling of him having to look at a guy in the eyes. As you said, now there's a human face on it, right? right? Yeah. He's like, and, I'm sorry. I'm and sorry. And to recognize his fucking limits. Yeah. And it's. As you said, the frustration of it's not even that I've been outsmarted by this. It's literally I don't have the time 
and the equipment to take right. care of this. It's impossible. Right. It is fully impossible for me to stop this from happening. Right. Right. Uh, that guy constantly, the translator repeating over and over again, like, he's a good man, he's a family man. Yeah. And Renner's like, don't fucking psych me out with this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, yeah. right, right. Like, I'm yeah. already up against a lot. Don't make me feel bad in advance. It's quite a scene. It's quite a scene. Oh, boy. Um, and then it se- it seeks so quickly, well, fr- it seeks so quickly from Anthony Mackie in doing his his wonderful scene in the Humvee. To- now, now he wants a son. Before he wasn't ready. Yeah. Now and Renner kept on saying, like, it's easy. Just put some sperm inside a lady. Right, and he's like, right. A, gross. B, not ready. <laughs> and right, Renner right, doesn't even right. understand why you wouldn't want to have a child. Because, well, I have a child. I'm not there. That's not a problem. He never right? thinks about it. Yeah, just make a, a baby. Right. But sure. now Mackie is so strongly, like, I don't want to be here. This is not what I want to be. I want to be a father. I want to have a little boy. I want to raise a boy. And then we go very quickly to he's in a supermarket. There's a hard cut. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, one it's of like the hardest not even cuts a I have ever Tanya scene. said I, it's flashback, right? And I was, and I didn't want to I say think, anything. I was like, it's yeah. not. Like, I think the scene is so good. Oh, it's so the because, supermarket. Yes, yes. because oh. just just that concept, and I know, oh, like you know, I've, so I have good. never really traveled to a country that is so far removed from my uh, experience of the yeah. world. But I do know, you know, people who have describing that where you return in like supermarkets, especially supermarkets are crazy, very overwhelming. Where you're like, right? Why are there eight? million cereals yeah. like what like why is there like so much choice why it's like that it's very overwhelming like the whole environment is so and it's alien sterile. And, and it's so sterile yeah. and, the, it's sterile. Right, and the fucking yeah. fluorescent lights and the music i would argue that that shot with him Ugh. staring at the cereals what wins this movie best picture it's so good i honestly think that's, that's the thing that pushes this movie over the edge i think if this movie ended with like the mackie scene it would have been nominated no no, no, no but having, totally having that as the coda it's somehow like no you need that yeah the entire movie pushes it over the edge in such an elegant way. Right. He has a like, scene with his wife. Right. Scene with his son. And she gets like, t- she has top billing in the movie for like two seconds of I think she's third time. bill, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I, I, I think, four, no, I no, think she's like fifth or something. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It, she's like before the and. You have that whatever. one phone call. It's, it's crazy. Because Morse, villain. Fines, yeah. and um, Pierce are all gathered in a sort of yes. with and yes. right. area. There's a lot of yeah, buzz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also right. Van Damme. But it's crazy how quickly it's almost like you didn't realize how used you'd gotten to the Iraqi Which atmosphere. That's great. Cause until she holds she on that snaps, shot for so long. Right. Until she yeah. snaps to the supermarket and then this cold, wet, right. the exact opposite of cold, wet fall, like the leaves. And He's cleaning the leaves out of the gutter. Of like so close on Jeremy Renner's face that you're like taking note of the fly that's like buzzing right, around his right, mouth and his eye, eye right. which all of that shit is so good. Yeah. But then when it's just like, he's tiny, he's microscopic. He's never felt more insignificant than when he's faced with like Toucan Sam. Yes. And like the Nesquik bunny. It's like wall of cereals. Right. Yes. And it's like, here's one shot that sums up the entire movie. And then and it, it's so masterful. And then, and everything, the supermarket and the scene where he's trying to talk to her about what he's seen. These yeah. are two, I mean, and as to, I'm paraphrasing Tanya here too. Very classic vets trying to reintegrate back into the world yes. and fail, like, and failing too. No, right. Sure. right. And then, of course, we, right, yeah. we go ahead. Go Evangeline ahead. Lilly's high billing, right? Coupled with the fact that for a long time when she was trying to get this movie made, they, I think, originally tried to do it with Colin Farrell. That would have been good. Right. And there was another, well, your okay. favorite actor. Interesting. There was another big, I think he's got too much face for it, uh, uh, to be honest with you. Give me that face. I agree with that. He doesn't look smudgy enough. Yeah, that's that. that. He, yeah. he doesn't have yeah. that Jeremy Renner smudge. I can't smudge. believe I'm siding Carry with the smudge on. now. Okay. But the other, this was when they were trying to make it for, you know, bigger budget, yeah, yeah, more yeah. commercial film. Uh, it said Charlize Theron. 
to play the wife, which this is post monster. So I think at some point, I've Maybe never gotten this confirmed. Chunk. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a version of the script and perhaps even what they shot where once he goes back home, there's like 15 minutes as opposed to what really is in the film, like five minutes right. or less. Right. I think she got there. And once you have the supermarket scene, it's like, we don't need anything else. That right. sums it up so fucking well. It's so concise. Right. I have to imagine she shot more, especially because like this is her like peak lost. Mm-hmm. Everyone was waiting for the show to end so she could become a movie star, which then didn't really happen. But I remember that being that thing of like, someone's going to make Evangeline Lilly happen, mm-hmm. right? Let's make her an elf. Mm-hmm. Let's have her mm-hmm. train Hugh Jackman to robot box, you know? like. No, I mean, it's a really good point because what you what you end up seeing is how how quickly you come to the conclusion of the film. Cause I'm, so, which right. is just that, oh, he's totally unsuited for this I, and he doesn't know how to right. do this. I'm watching it on my iPad and I'm on the Amazon app, great yeah. company, eating a bagel, and I'm seeing how much time is like left in the movie. And when it cuts into the supermarket, I'm like, 10 minutes yeah, left. it's crazy. And there are credits too? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Right, 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 I was right. like, how is there so little of this movie left? Right. But that's it. Because the only, oh, the, you just have the one shot he of talks him. To the, he yeah. talks to his baby. Talks to his baby. Talks about his the baby, jack in the box. Which is pretty, which is on the nose, but it's, a little on the nose. it's fine, it's I good. guess. It's good. And he it's sells good. it. He underplays it's, it. I think, I think he sells it. Oh, he I sells think he, everything. He, he, he this is a remarkable star making performance. This is the modicum of self-awareness he has. He knows that for some reason he only wants this, but he can't really frame that put that's, that in the frame of that's the rest right of the world. exactly i yeah. think the scene would go too far if he started explaining what he likes about it right right, right but to right. him it's exactly the same as the jack in the box which yeah. is like i'm looking at this this is a, a piece of tin and a stuffed animal right it should have no inherent intrigue it used to for me yeah and now i found this new jack in the box i can't intellectualize it i don't know why but this is the one thing that fucking makes sense oh to my me. god i didn't quite realize that like the hurt locker is the jack in the box i guess like <sighs> something jacket so this movie was first oh, yeah. called. Which is also a cool title. The what? I think it's the, a something bad title. the something jacket. The something jacket. I think it's a shitty title. I mean, the heart locker, in my mind, is just where you put the pain, right? Yeah, I, that's I what never... they sort of said. Yeah. 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 It's like a term, because there's a guy who sued Mark Bowl and said that he stole everything from him. There was a soldier who, like, Mark Bowl was embedded for a long time. Right. He worked with a bunch of Two different years. troops and whatever. And he said that there's this one guy who's like, I'm very much the Jeremy Renner character in this movie. I was the one who wow. said the Hurt Locker to him. Wow. And they countersued and were like, Hurt Locker's existed as a term since the Vietnam War. Oh. Like, he worked with, like, 300 different dudes, yeah. their elements, their incidents, and the the case was dismissed. Um, but it was this, like, term that that stuck in Mark Bowles-Craw that I think was, the like, I want to make a movie about that sensation. These guys who just kind of keep on trucking. Uh, and then you have, like, what is the most kind of classically heroic, like, cowboy shots of, of Renner in the movie, which is him getting off the plane with yeah, the duffel bag, right. re-employment, and then that there's just shot a quick of cut, boots. and now the okay. boots become the, the shot. Stay Puft boots. These boots right, right, are right. made for, for walking. Bomb diffusing? Yeah. The scene that, the, the shot that just got me was when, so you, I think you cut to black after the, uh, after you see the helicopters, you cut uh-huh. to black, and then it just slowly the light comes onto his face and it's just a few seconds long. But I was like, that's the whole movie. The whole movie is trying to see this person clearly. And it's just, it's so beautifully done, I think too. And also not to like hit the, the Renner smudge face thing too much, but there's an earlier moment. I think when he's looking for, you know, whoever uh, he thinks uh, body bombed uh, Beckham 
Yeah. And you see Jeremy Renner totally in silhouette. Yeah. Like, yes. That's that fucking movie star thing where no one looks like Jeremy Renner. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Like Jeremy Renner in complete shadow from the side is distinctively yeah. could not be anyone other than Jeremy Renner. Well, and that it's it should be he's entering from he it should be that he's entering into the darkness. The war is the darkness, but not instead it's completely inverted and it's just so He's a silly boy. It's so stunning. And then, then <laughs> and then he's beaming, yes. right? He walks he down it. with his Stay Puft Marshmallow Man suit. 365 he's days left. beaming, yeah. and it says 365 days he's left. He's killing it. And it's it's crazy, because for everyone else, it's like a life sentence, or like it's a year-long sentence. And for yes. him, he's like, thank God. So everyone, Ugh. when it comes out, I remember, because it was a big hit at the at the festivals when it played it was, earlier. It but was, then, it had done uh, well at these festivals. It's commercial. Sure, sure, sure. It comes out, I remember, almost immediately with their views, everyone was going like... Catherine Bigelow, you know, Basically, never a female winner. Like that was already the narrative. A little bit, but this, no, no. I don't just, I, I don't remember when that movie came out, people being like, Oscar, Oscar, Oscar. And I was no. like, it's a small movie. Like people were like, Renner. And I was like, I don't know if it's going to last all the way. Who? But people were boosting Bigelow from the get-go. I mean, Reviews, because okay. everyone wanted to see a female best director win. I, I do, I think that is a false narrative for this I movie. think this is no. true. I distinctly remember seeing and, it and people immediately talking about that. This movie came out. It was a little movie. Yeah. It took a while. It came out in July. I didn't see it till at least August, if not September, okay. because people I, were like, that movie's really good. I saw it opening week. Good for you. Thank you. But, you know, I'm very but like, proud. I mean, I don't, I don't think this is a movie came, that came out and right away people were like, I smell Oscar. I only remember them smelling Oscar mm. for her. I, 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 know, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I think it happened fast enough because, of course, sure. the narrative was always, I mean, the even Sofia Coppola, when they got nominated, when she got nominated, she was never going to win, right, for best director in uh, for Lost in Translation. And she was only the f- third, only the fourth third, in history. I think third. Campion, Wirt Mueller, yeah, Coppola. I think that's it. And then Bigelow was the fourth, right? Yeah. And like even though, just right, her very presence, people were like, if Sofia Coppola won, she'd be the first woman to yeah. win. Yeah. And of course, in the uh, Oscars themselves, when Barbara Streisand presented it, right. she comes out, and Barbara Streisand comes out, and you're like, well, they clearly they know who. You know, they they think they know who's right. winning. It's it's and like when they had she's L- like, Lucas Coppola and Spielberg yeah, present to Scorsese. present to Scorsese, right? Yeah, yeah. but and the, she comes out and she's like, uh, the winner of this Oscar could be the first woman to win an Oscar, and everyone's like, huh? Uh. And she's like, or could be the first African American to win an Oscar, and everyone's like, oh, right, Lee Daniels, <laughs> sure. And you're like, right, that, there's a barrier we haven't crossed yet, yeah. you know? Like, and uh, and, and then he, she's and like, he's and, only the third at that point, second. Is Singleton the only other black? I nominee? think at that point. Now we've had Steve McQueen, Wait, Denzel, Barry Jenkins. Wasn't Denzel was never nominated as director? As a director? Oh, okay. Lee no, Daniels no. at that point was only second. second. It was Singleton because uh, Jeffrey Fletcher, Daniels. who wrote Precious, right. was the first black screenwriter to win. Yep. Look, the Oscars are embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question. Yeah. What were the other Best Picture films nominated? The other nominees that year, because then she has to do all, this awkward thing where she's like. And if any of the other nominees win, there'll be directors who brought their own stories to their Thanks, Barbara. film where it's like they all wrote their movie. <laughs> yes. uh, Some guy. Can you yeah. name the five nominees, Griff? There were 10 this year. No, no, no. Five director nominees. Oh, the five director nominees? I want to know the best picture nominees too. Okay. okay. The five director nominees were. Because it's a good year, yes. in my opinion. Were Lee Daniels. Crash Catherine Crashes. Bigelow. Yep. Uh, Jim, Jimmy Cameron James for Avatar. Cameron. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, District Nine was nominated for Best Picture, but not for Best Director. True. Uh, A Serious Man was nominated for Best Picture, but not Best Director. True. Uh, Quentin Tarantino 
from Glorious Bastards, Correct. nominated Correct. director and picture. Yes. Uh, that uh, would have been my pick movie. that year. I think movie. that's a great movie. I think that's his best movie. <laughs> Fuck you, Griffin. I think that's his best movie by a long think, shot. Yeah. Someday we'll do that episode. I got my whole read in that movie. I think that movie is a masterpiece. Um, and I've never I have seen it. problems with him. I've seen other Tarantino films, but I kind of can't with him. I, I oh, you haven't seen Glorious Bastards. I have not seen oh, Glorious like Bastards. The two I will stand I by. I did see Django Unchained, and I texted movie. through it. It really drove me crazy. I I think they're very different movies. Okay, I appreciate I, that. Jackie Brown and uh, Glorious Bastards are the two I will stand behind to my dying day. The rest of them I f- have complicated series of feelings about. Okay, this is go a on. great conversation that I don't care about. Keep going. <laughs> Uh, okay, wait. So let me so think you've got of the other ones. Seven. I have four out of five. Best picture nominees, four director nominees. Yeah. Yeah. The fifth one is it's obviously another white guy. Yes. Single Man didn't get nominated for best picture. I'm thinking through the acting nominees now. Crazy Heart did not get nominated for best picture. It did win, unfortunately. But it won best actor. Right. So that's that's that. Monique won supporting. This is such a beautiful process to watch. Yeah. Best actress that year, 2009, would have been Sandra Bullock for The Blind Side, which is nominated for best picture, but not best director. Of course. And then Best Supporting Actor that year, 2000. No, you're, that's Crystal Fault, so you're not. You're, oh, yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah. okay, so then who would the fifth person have been? Give me a clue about the be- fifth Best Director. It's a dramedy. Oh, oh, oh. Ben pointed upwards mm-hmm. because much like Aloha, this last nominee is all about this guy. It's Jason Reitman for Up in the Air. Oh, nice. Can so you name the other two Best Picture nominees. Well, that's one of them, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Can you, I only you know, have one left. No, you have two left. I have two left. Yeah. Uh, up. Correct. There we go. But okay. The, the other up. And mm-hmm. the, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, and then the tenth one. Give me a clue about the tenth one. Um. Uh, oh no! Wait, you have them all. You do Thank have them all. You. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You have them all. Thank right. you. Oh no, you don't. You don't. No, it's a. Uh, oh no! Did you say uh, it's an English movie? He said both serious man and single man. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. There's an English movie. Yeah, uh, there was an actress nominee in there for lead. Yes. Is it a Mirren? Is, is it a young, dench? A young woman. A young woman. Very talented. Oh, oh, it's an education. An education. Oh. An education. An Um. So those are the uh, director and picture nominees. Of course, yes, this movie eventually rushes headlong into, it doesn't win any of the Golden Globes, which go to Avatar. It's this sort of rivalry with Avatar. There's this sort of media narrative of like, oh my God, Bigelow and Cameron, ex-husband and wife. Like, yeah. oh. And at the end of the year, little movie, big movie. Yeah. I feel like at the end of the year, Precious was the front runner. Everyone was like, "This is a weird year because there doesn't really seem like a front runner." Precious was almost by default. Hurt Locker had been out of theaters for a while at that point. And was so small that people thought it really. When couldn't are you get saying that Precious was the front runner? Like November, right? Because then Hurt Locker sweeps the critical award. I'm saying right. pre nominations. Okay. When just everyone was seeing the movies, they were like, I guess it's precious. Mm. Avatar wasn't screened until very late. Right. Everyone Avatar thought it was right going to be a end. flop. Right. And then when it came out, it surprisingly became this best picture front runner right. because it's a weird three hour sci fi. Well, and also, movie. when the best, like, again, Streisand's like, you know, in one of these films is the most successful film ever made. Ever made. <laughs> Which, and you're kind of like, Right, Avatar. Right, yeah. the most successful film ever made. I think if Crazy. Avatar had yeah. made three hundred and fifty million dollars as opposed to seven hundred and fifty million dollars, sure, it would have won. The narrative might not have been there. Oh, you're saying? Well, anyway, I don't think it should have, but I think it would have. Maybe. I think when it crossed seven hundred, everyone was like, "We don't need to give another fucking thing." I think honestly, he was never going to win because of Titanic, personally. But maybe. Uh, I, don't I don't think, think he so. was ever going to win Best Director. I think she had that on lock. Mm. I think if the movie had made a little less money, it would have won Best Picture just for the size of it. But here's my question, maybe. dude. Sure. How do we feel about? The narrative of James Cameron 
like seeding, seeding his Oscar win to his ex-wife. Okay, a little annoying. I, I agree with that. I think it's kind of obnoxious. I think he inserted himself into that narrative. I agree. Here's the narrative I like. Yeah. Catherine Bigelow just fucking owning her ex-husband. <laughs> yeah, right, That's right, the narrative right, I play in my mind. But he has to spin it like this in order to keep his like credibility. Right, so I don't listen to what he is sure. saying, yeah. and I right, listen right. to James her Cameron's silence. James Cameron's a great person to not right. listen to. But then Classy here's, yeah. silence but then here's on just my other being question, like, yeah. and I think it, it think it casts this sort of shadow, is like, well, much like Sofia Coppola, did Catherine Bigelow get this movie made because of her connection to men in the industry? Maybe, but that's isn't that true? I, Everybody, but I also got a think I mean he apparently helped her a lot in this film. Was one of the people who yeah, she friends. was between a couple projects, and he said, "You got to make this. This yeah. is like this could be the defining war film." They remain. I think close. James Cameron is friends with all the Texas because all the Texas are like, you know what? It's great not being married to you, but I do <laughs> right. like you, and we, you know, you're a fun person to talk to. It was all... just being married to you that was really stressful because <laughs> it just key yeah. collaborators <laughs> yeah. too. You know, yeah. there are people because they've like, already collaborated right. on a movie post divorce, right? Because uh, okay. Strange Days, he wrote it and she directed okay, it. Okay, okay. Uh, so right. they, I think they have a genuine relationship, I mean, but okay. it is funny. I think okay. the answer is objectively no. It would not have gotten made, but I also mm-hmm. think it, she's in a specific position because it's not just like, well, she needed men to help her. It's like. She's lucky that her ex-husband, who she's still on good terms with, vouches for her artistically. Right, but no, also, you know, this isn't any movie. She got the money together. You know, I mean, this is a Catherine Bigelow production. Yeah, I mean, like, this, it isn't even like a Megan Ellison uh, writes the check. This is like I just think Cameron always helped her in terms of he was taken so seriously when, during the periods of time where she was discounted, Mm -hmm. and he would always kind of say to people, like, you don't understand how good a filmmaker she is. Right. Like even if you can discount her as an action filmmaker, say this or that, I know. I the bones say we of what stop talking about James Cameron right now. I agree. Okay, that's important not to talk about. about within the narrative of the Oscars. And all I want to play blah, the blah, box, box office, office game. game. Yes, I want to play the box office. Jinx, game. you want me? To yeah, great. Okay, this movie came out on four theaters, June twenty sixth, two thousand nine. We're going to do this week because it never really Agreed. expanded. It just right. slowly. This is the right week to do. Okay, uh, two thousand nine, June twenty sixth, but it opens number. 27 with $145,000 on four screens. I mean, so it's very pretty good. good. Yeah. Two days after my birthday. Go on. Congratulations. Birthday. Benjamin. Benjamin. Number one at the movie. Okay. Of the, is number a new, one is at the number, number, number one at the movie is a new film. Sorry, this is a game we play, Sonia. Connoisseur. I'm following along. Yeah, you're following along. Of contests. Number one <laughs> at the box office is uh-huh. a new film that is also, number one in the highly ill-advised box office mojo category of Travelogue Middle East, which The Hurt Locker also belongs to. Oh, my God. Let me tell you, when you think about this movie, which opens to $108 oh million. Oh, my God. Is it Borat? Is it something no, like Borat? No, okay. no, no. I believe I know what it is. Is it Transformers Revenge of the Fallen? Correct. The oh second Transformers movie. That's a really bad way to characterize that movie. <laughs> so, wait. Uh, so, Sex in the City 2 doesn't come out until the following year, right? That's 2010 or 2011? Because that would also, I imagine, be in that box office mojo category. Sex and the City 2. Travelogue Middle East. Is number 15 in the Travelogue okay. Middle East. Uh, which, uh, again, to tell you how ill-advised. Travelogue? Yeah, fuck that. Uh, Transformers Passion of the Christ is number two. I don't think that's a travelogue. Passion uh-huh, of the uh-huh. Christ? American yeah. Sniper Iron Man, which, I mean, yeah, okay, has scenes set in the Middle right. East. Raiders of the Lost Ark, Aladdin, Mission Impossible. It's a nightmare. This list it's is a nightmare. Right. Is Lawrence of Arabia the, in there? 
That's Probably. the only one that seems like a travel. No, but it may not in be city, uh, in the uh, in this. Sex and the City Two is like a old. bunch of white women being like, "Wouldn't it be fun to go to the Middle that East?" Is like, that, like, that is a genuine like travel. They travel to the UAE right. <laughs> for no particular reason. Right. Movies about people like being embedded in war. There that does also like, have a scene a where Samantha, Jesus walking through the stations of the cross. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Does have Sex and the City Two does have a scene where Samantha says, "Lawrence of Mylabia." Referring to a hot man. She well, what a showstop. I'm so glad was. I'm so glad we introduced that into this really important she discussion dubbed, of this like, horror film. Lawrence of Mylabia. Anyway, number two at the box office that weekend is a rom com that was a huge surprise breakout hit of this summer. The proposal. The proposal. Who remembers that movie? Sandra Bullock, Ryan. Reynolds. I'll say this. So Canada. Canada. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, a, a scene where they are nude. A scene where she is naked. Yeah. No, right. They He's wearing naked. a towel. They bump into each other. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. They bump into each other. Right. They are nude and they bump into each other. Um, she looks really good. Places? They both look age? really good in that movie. Yeah. And then they switch places. And right? also, it's a body swap. I hated this movie. Uh, it's a bad movie. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen this movie. It's really bad. I will say. Uh, it does have, like, it's like also at the height of Betty White fever. This is what launched it. And this is what reignited it. I know, and it's like so many like horny Betty White jokes. It's Romley Newman, yeah. past and future guest, close personal friend of mine, sister. We go way back. Sister. Uh, that's that's my improvised line I snuck into the tick, which I'm really proud of, and so I use it every time <laughs> Rom comes up on the show. Uh, she loves rom coms, uh, Romley comedies. Um, and we asked her at like dinner like two years ago when we we're going through all the like bad rom coms that Rom likes. Like, what's your favorite? And she said, no question, the proposal. She cites that as the best romantic comedy of her lifetime. That's insane. When she comes back on the show, whenever I, that happens, we will fucking put her on trial. I love rom-coms and your sister is wrong. I'm sorry. I love Romilly and rom-coms, but I do not love the proposal. I've never seen it. I tried watching 15 minutes of it on plane. I could not get through. She swears by it. I don't know if she's ever rewatched it. Has she seen my best friend's wedding? Yeah, loves it. Very confusing. Loves okay. it. Anyway. She, like, has respect for the ones that deserve to be on the Mount Rushmore. Has seen every notable rom-com from 1980 on, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, swears by that movie. Yeah. Also loves Bullock. Well, That's a big part of it. I think she likes seeing Bullock like in the Bullock element. I Bullock, too. Yeah. I just don't like the proposal. She's good in it, I guess. She's doing her Bullock thing. That's a good Sandra Bullock rom-com while you were sleeping. That's a good Sandra Bullock. I don't know if she's seen right. that one. That's a fun one. That's some uh, good Garcia, Garcia too. I mean, yeah, yeah, the best Sandra Bullock rom-com is Speed. I was, yeah. Anyway, number three. <laughs> you were going to make the same joke, yes. right? Yeah, uh, we, we, we're, three we're all the, on the same point. A thousand comedy points shared between the three of us. I, I just sort of was like us. stopped it in my tracks there. Yeah. Let's, let's, comedy points family style. We all go in on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like Moz sticks. Um, <laughs> number three at the box office is like the, if the proposal was a comedy sensation, this was the comedy sensation the of hangover. 2000. Yeah, is that, yeah, okay. The hangover. Right. Jeez. Yeah. Blech. Never forget. Mm-hmm. Number four. My mother's favorite movie. My mom fucking Tell loves that movie the... too. I don't know why my mom's my, like, like that. My mom movie. has not seen that movie. My mom loves that my movie. My mom fucking swears by that movie. Five minutes of the movie came on TV and my mom was laughing so hard she had her face covered. Yeah. Like it was unreal. <laughs> That's amazing. My mom, my mom said that was the hardest she ever laughed until Girls Trip this year. My mom went <laughs> ballistic for Girls Trip. Ben, ballistic. Ben, please pitch the prequel to Sonya. <laughs> okay, so Sonya, it's The Hangover, but it's a prequel. It's called The Buzz. Okay. <laughs> They're all in high school. It's the same four guys, and they one buzzed. of them gets locked in the janitor closet, uh-huh. and it's the day of prom, and they got to find him. 
Now, wait, I want to make something very clear, okay? We have a segment on the show sometimes called Benny on the Record, where Ben <laughs> tries to predict something. Sonia, you're a journalist for Variety, uh-huh. a major, major pillar uh-huh. of reporting within this industry. Oh, boy. This is Benny off the record, okay? <laughs> He's pitching this around town. There's a lot of buzz. It's a hot package. It's a hot, yeah. Sources are saying. Right. Okay? <laughs> so you cannot break this story. We're Thank only going to record so it and release it on a podcast, right. but you cannot so, my God. report on this pitch. Scout's honor. Benny off the record. And also, anyone listening Jesus out there, Christ. don't take this idea, all right? Don't, ben, don't tweet about look it. Look at the running time. <laughs> it's time to be done. David's so agitated. It's good. <sighs> Number four at the box office. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of what the animal would be that shows up. Oh, sure. It's going to be a toucan. I don't know. Uh, number four at the box office, oh, a movie no. they all thought was going to be not as successful as the movies this studio usually releases. But boy, were they wrong just because it stars an old man. Oh, up. Up. Oh. Uh, yeah. That was their argument always was like, no one made toys for up because they were like, well, what are the kids going to like? And it's like, first of all, every kid loves their grandpa. Yep. Second of all, the main fucking supporting cast of the movie is talking dogs. It's like dogs and weird animals. Yeah. No one made toys for that movie, and the movie is fucking dogs flying airplanes. Right. But also balloons. Yeah. Kids love balloons. And, and a little boy. Yeah. yeah. There's a the little boy is boy also scout. very good. There, there was yeah. no merchandise for that movie. It's so bizarre. When we do our fucking up episode, there's going to be a negative merchandise spotlight. Have we been in this room for three hours? Yes, we have. We've been in this room for 100 million years. Uh, we're never doing our up episode, but if we yes, ever we do are. do it, it would be called fucking up because that's funny. Okay, Peville, that was funny. Let's talk about it. More. Thank we're you. going back. Number five <laughs> at the box our, office. Our up episode is going to be in our Pete Doctor May series, which is going to be called Podsters Cast. I hate you. I hate everyone. In Podsters the world. Cast. <laughs> so cute. Podsters Ka. Number five at the box office is a. This is the first time in a while that I've been done with an episode. <laughs> I've never been more into an episode. I could record another hour easy. Good, great. Um, number five is a Nick Cassavetes joint. Uh, my other sister. Say it again. It's not that one. My it, uh, my sister's sister. My sister's keeper. keeper. There, there we go. go. A weepy with Cameron Diaz. I get all those sister movies. Abigail Breslin. Yes. Oh, this fucking movie. Isn't it based yeah. on the Jodie Picoult book or something? I believe it is. Yes. Yeah. I think Alec Baldwin's in it. I believe Sort of in his early doctor. revival. It's like yeah. somewhat, it's like cancer and organ donation. Correct. It's not, it's And rough. there's another. Yeah, I saw it eight times. There's another sister too that I think Dakota Fanning was supposed to play and then she quit because she wouldn't shave her head. There's like a story behind that movie where it was like oh. Dakota Fanning is not committed enough as an actress to shave her head. And then whoever they got shaved her head and then it didn't help her career. No, it opened to $12 million. Uh, mm-hmm. Other we movies, uh, you got year one. Big hit. Yeah, boy. Never. Caveman comedy with uh, Michael Sarah and Jack Black. Harold uh, Ramis's Harold final Ramis's film. last film, unfortunately. Uh, Taken to Pelham 123 remake, which is sort of a soft little hit uh, yeah. that summer. Well, people thought it was going to be big or. Yeah, sure. Uh, Star Trek, uh, which is great. Big hit. Oh, wow. Uh, Night at the Museum Battle of the Smithsonian, which obviously went on to win Best Picture that year. (laughs) (laughs) Best Smithsonian Picture, obviously. Yeah, right. (laughs) Right. The first movie by a monkey to win Best Picture. (laughs) 
Uh, away we go. Land of the Lost. Ooh, a lot of there were some real stinkers. Angels and Demons, Terminator Salvation. This is like a lot of stinkers. I'll say this: this was right around the time when they announced the ten best picture thing, because this was the first right, year. This of is that. the po- year post Dark Knight, where they're like, uh oh. And I yeah. remember everyone saying, like, looking at the box office at that weekend and going, like, so what gets in now? Does Up get in? Is the Pixar going to get in right, now? Yeah, is Star yeah. Trek going to get in? Like, they were like, they've done this to add in more blockbusters. Right. Star Trek came close. For sure. I think uh, District 9, PGA if, nomination, if yeah. District 9 hadn't gotten in, Star Trek, Trek would have gotten, gotten in. Yeah. And then Avatar 2. Having two big sci-fi movies yeah. that year yeah. fucked over Star Trek. Otherwise, I think it would have gotten the, the <sighs> nod. Yeah. Quite possibly. So yeah, The Hurt Locker, it grosses 17 total. Yeah. That's it. Not great. It's out of theaters by like October. You yeah. Know? Um, but I, it did linger around for a while and I did go to see it. This is what I'm still obviously a huge movie fan, but I'm not writing about movies and I am sort of like more just like I just go see things yeah and yeah someone was just like it's so fucking good like it's like the best action movie I've seen in years yeah. and I was like oh, okay Summit didn't know how to sell it's it it's interesting because I would never call it an action movie I call it action. no yeah. but it is yeah. it is yeah. it's an action movie yes yeah, it's, it's all set pieces no, no, no. Yeah. I, yeah. it's just I would never yeah. think yeah. to because yeah. right. yeah. you think of an action movie as being Less static. Fun, it's a very right. static movie. Fun and it's movie. Right. Yeah. right. This <laughs> is not a fun movie, but it's like movie. it's a really it's effective great. visceral yeah, yeah. action movie. And, um, uh, and then it wins six Academy Awards. Can you name the six? It wins best picture. It wins best director. It wins best screenplay. It wins best editing. It wins both the sound awards. Yes, it doesn't win cinematography, it, music. Cinematography and loses to Avatar, which is kind of weird. Yeah, well, neither of them should have won, but yeah. I think watching this movie a second time, I was I mean, very a, taken back well by movie. the cinematography. I've never been the biggest Barry Aykroyd fan, but he does. This I is like this is, his best. I agree. I think this is the best example of this type of shooting. What do you think should have won? I just wanted to double check the cinematography nominees. But yeah, the other any of the other three nominees would be my picks. Did Deke get in there? Deacon uh, is not in there. You've got Robert Richardson for Inglorious Bastards. Uh, you've got Bruno Del Bonel for the aforementioned Harry Potter and the Half Bloods Prince, which That's is a one great of the most looking gorgeous movie. That ever is made very true of recent times. It's an aesthetic feast, not ever made. One of the most gorgeous yes, movies that's that a gorgeous. around them, and that's and when Yates figured out his aesthetic for that for sure. franchise because sure. the one before that, whatever it is, is kind of Phoenix. whatever that looking. Is that yeah. is a mess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some people like that one, uh, and then Christian well, it's Christian Berger who shot the White Ribbon. Which is like great cinematography. Uh, that would have been my one. Beautiful. That's actually one of the best film. looking movies oh, I've ever seen. It's yeah. so wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, there you go. Um, yeah. Uh, interesting. Renner would have been my best actor that yes, year. Yes. Yes. I mean, Bridges won because he was uh, legacy. Right. Yeah. But winner. but yeah. say this, okay? If Bridges had lost this year because they felt like this is our year to honor Bridges, if Bridges had lost and they had given it to either Renner, who I think should have won, mm-hmm. or Firth, who I think is excellent in single sure, man. Who wins the next year. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, so what happens? If they'd given Firth this year for single man and then waited next year and gave Bridges best actor for True Grit, Grit I think those are better performances from each guy. Well, I kind of wish they Freaky I, Friday. Here's what I think What's happens. Bridges nominated for this? Crazy Heart. Oh, He's not even bad in it. It's just right. sort of Fine. like, yeah. But right. he tops it next year. Like next yeah, year he's in a better movie giving a better version of that Firth wins in 09, I think he still wins in 10. I think they go to Bridges. I th- remember how much like no, fucking the, like Bridges love, drum banging like we've he's never. The best. I love Jeff Bridges. Yeah. People, people love, love the King people speech. love the King but speech. Jeff Bridges' performance in True Grit is truly weird, which Whereas, I love. About I agree, it. but Jeff Bridges' performance in Crazy Hearts a real Oscar picture yeah. where he's like, oh, I'm so drunk. Yeah, oh, I'm a fuck up. <laughs> I'm gonna sing a song with Colin Farrell. But in True Grit, he wears long underwear. I know he's great. He, he loves to pull the, the cork. Yeah, he's so good in it. We are not. What was Earth. Jeff Bridges nominated for before? 
Uh, uh, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Last Picture Show. Starman, The Last Picture Show, and The Contender. Okay. I don't think he was nominated for The Fabulous Baker Boys, which is one of his best performances. He wasn't nominated for Fearless, right? No, Rosie Perez was. What were you going to ask? I'm afraid Tron. I'm going to say something wrong. No, it's fine. Say it. Ask. Say it. No. Say it. No, I'm going to look at my phone instead. <laughs> what? 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 Oh, oh, we got them all. We got them all. This is safe yeah. space. But okay. what? What? Was the one you were thinking? You Are you worried that Jeff Bridges wasn't in the movie you're yes. going to say? Yes. What is it? No, K-Pax? I'm not saying it out loud. <laughs> Give me a second. Surf's up? Wait, he yeah, is... okay. I was going to ask about The Big Lebowski, and then I got yes. really no, stressed no, out. No, I was like, no, do I not no, know he, he who's in The Big He should have been, but you know, that movie was sort of a flap when it came out, and yeah. the Oscars ignored it. You're going to get flamed for this episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Uh, anyway, so... <laughs> They're going to call you Boston Market, because you you're guys, about to get flame roasted. I'm like really hungry, Yeah, we're done. Yeah, okay, cool. Food's cool. Okay. Um... This episode's like four hours long. Great. I had so much fun. I did too. I had a great time. I had a great time. Yeah, uh, I did. I genuinely did. Sonny, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was really fun. It was a really fun movie to talk about. Uh, people should read Variety. That's the best source to find out who's ankle in projects. Oh, my God. Which skeins are hitting <laughs> which the skeins? Skeins. Oh skeins. You don't have to say skeins. Bafobio. I do not have to say skeins anymore. I think that that, like, regi- like that. That's all gone. That ethos has faded. Do you ever yeah. say ankle, though? No, I don't really know what it means. I think it's a great yeah. uh, like like know, David is furious and wants to ankle this recording studio immediately. <laughs> Does that mean take it out at the ankle? Get out of leave. oh oh ankle. They would always say that when someone like quits a movie, they go like Ugh. it's weird. Yeah, well, now Brad Pitt has ankled the fountain. That's Rushfield's new thing. It's called the Ankler. I wonder if that's. I like, think it probably is. It's like a reference. Uh, people should follow you on Twitter. Yeah, I like having okay Twitter sometimes. I think it's a good Twitter. Uh, Twitter's good. Uh, and you it's also, good. I'll say this. In my six weeks of doing my press tour, which I did not love, <laughs> you were like the bright spot. Aww, great the, interview. The end of this New York Aww. day, this press day, when I had to do all these like five minute capsule interviews that were just like melting my brain. Mm-hmm. I got to end the day with you. And the the PR person came in after like 15 minutes and was like, I think Griffin has to go. And I was like. <laughs> and you were like, no, I want to talk more. And was she was so like, cute. oh, I thought you'd probably just want to go sleep. And I'm like, I do, but I want to actually get complicated thoughts out. And we had this like fucking great conversation. It was great. But I think you wrote up really well. And I even like the way you contextualize it is like two friends talking about like, I can't believe we're in these positions right now. <laughs> yeah. We're talking in this situation. I, it was yeah. the best. I'm weirdly know, like almost awesome. as proud of that interview as I am of my work on the oh show. Oh my God. Great job on the tip. Great job in the No, I because I felt like that was like the conversation where I got to uh, encapsulate everything. And I you was definitely believing like in. got to say things in your own voice because because yes. I feel like that's part of it too. Is like, of course, when you're thinking about being an actor, you're thinking about how like every other person who's been a superhero film of some kind has right. like somehow framed their performance. Like it was just great to like I'll, hear I'll all say that this from too, you. Almost every other review I did, people misquoted me in one way or another. Oh, I no. think because I like mumble and I talk fast and uh-huh. stuff and uh-huh. they just like kept on using words that didn't make sense and like completely decimated the logic of whatever sentence I was saying. Oh no. And you're the one person, I think because you know me well enough to be like. Maybe I just understood your sentences. Right. Yeah. Because I read these yeah. other things where people were like, they clearly just thought I was talking gibberish. <laughs> um, but thank, thank you for that. Oh my God. Uh, thank you for was, doing it. It was a real pleasure. Thank you it for being fun. on the show. We'll have you on again soon. Oh my God. No, it was great to be here. And if you guys do end up talking about, I don't know, the Harry Potter films. <laughs> we'll have you back. Alfonso Cuaron. We'll do our David no, Yates we'll, we'll talk. Series. We'll talk one day. Yeah. All right. Well, bye, Blankies. Thanks for having me. Oh, God. They're going to love that, that you address them by name. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Go to blankies.riot.com for some real nerdy shit. Nerdy shit. Thank you to Ange for Gudo for our social media. Joe Bowen and Pat Rounds for our artwork. Lane Montgomery for 
our theme song. And as, as always, always, as always, lock the gates. <laughs> Here we go.